What's up, Maximus? What's up? Is everything kitty pong with you? Everything is kitty pong with me. <laughs> All right, we, we should probably explain kitty pong. You yeah. made this up. You you brought it up. Yeah, well, I saw a driver announce their brand, and it just said kitty pong, and I was like, is this a fucking joke? But the guy's name was kitty pong. He's from uh. Thailand. Thailand. Yeah. All right. Well done, Kitty Pong. You are a new hobby wing driver and a Femca champion, apparently. But your name is pretty interesting. Please. I hope we said it right. With that said, Max, we do have a guest. We have two guests on us with us this week. Uh, this is an EOS recap, and we have a special guest joining us uh, to talk about RC news and whatnot. He is a YouTuber as well. So with that said, I will, as soon as I find it, because I never have it ready because I'm just ill prepared like that, I will get ready to drop that intro as soon as i find it where is it professional podcaster only 271 episodes in still can't find that intro oh and i still couldn't find it i played the wrong (laughs) thing nitro is the glory but e-buggy pays the bills. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast. Get ready for some serious bench racing. But be warned, we speak our minds, express our thoughts, and sometimes things can get a little rowdy. Hate, and he just was influenced by the hate coming from the left, the hate coming from the right. And let's get back to more club racing and less of this it's hard not to be arrogant when you're always right. You know? See what I mean? That's exactly why people call you <laughs> arrogant, Max. You may not agree with everything we say, but it's definitely worth a listen. And our pick, can you stop whatever you're doing? Join your host, Letty the Great, with co-host and guests as they get together <laughs> to chat our team. Hey, after that race that I watched this morning, I have to talk about it. Yes, 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 indeed. Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 271. We are 29 away from that big 300. Like uh, 300 a movie and the Spartans. You know, we're almost there. But uh, thank you, everybody. My name is Keenan White, a.k.a. Lefty the Great. Joining me over to my virtual right, left, whatever, I can't remember right now, is uh, Maximus Mortimus. And you guys are watching the No Name RC podcast. Um, yeah, episode two seventy one, Max. It's been two weeks in a row we've seen each other. It's been a rare thing lately because I've been traveling yeah. so much. So good to see you. Uh, we we have a pretty. We're going to be talking about the EOS Dawn mostly this week. Uh, we did have a special guest who was Yuna Hotlin joining us for that. So it was also good to talk to Yuna. Uh, you were sitting there beaming like a uh, proud. <laughs> big brother the entire time and telling all the accolades of Yuna. He had a very good showing at EOS this past weekend, so congratulations to him. Also joining us as uh, another guest uh, to go over some of the 
the YouTube, uh, sorry, some of the Facebook news and what's going on in our scene. Just have a general conversation with us. He's become a good friend of mine since I met him two years ago. Let me introduce you to him shortly. He's in the background. He already gave me a face palm and I pressed the wrong button for the uh, <laughs> intro. But, you know, hey, it wouldn't be me if I didn't make mistakes. But before I say that, I just want to say thank you to all of the NNRC squad around, around the world. We can't do this without you guys. Thank you for all the support. Thank you to the YouTube members and the patrons. If you wish to support the podcast a little bit more, you can become a, uh, join that list of people that we've scrolled by just recently and uh, help us out. And uh, links for that in the written description of this podcast. Also, uh, a big shout out to all of these awesome companies. If your company interested in advertising on the No Name RC podcast, shoot me a message. Uh, we'll work out something for you. We are looking for a few more companies to join us. They are invisible speed. Books are shipping. So I need to get one. I need to, I need to get one, put up her and check it out. High Tech RC, thank you, High Tech, for all this work. Corsa Tech USA, Sidewinder Fuel, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Stacked RC, Racecraft USA, uh, the RC Box Club, Donovan RC, Carl RC. Uh, shout out to the Elite RC Productions crew. What else? What's up, boys? Good job to you guys at the Florida RC Championships, who's also another good friend of our sponsors, a uh, company that I support uh, with the 10 scale. Uh, first round of 10 scale, the 10 scale version of the RC Championships this past weekend. Shout out to RC Body Armor, my boy Gene Strout Jr. with SJ Racing Builds. If you want to get something built, check him out. Uh, House of RC, RCGP, which I heard that the website's coming back. Uh, and shout out to our drivers, David Ranafalk, Robert Battier, Alexander Hackback, Maddie G, Pecco, and we have we have brought another one into the fold. And that's you know, we knighted him on this last podcast. Welcome to Sir Yuna Hotman. We need to get some, you know what? We need to get some American drivers. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk to Iceman next time I see him, him and Caden, about becoming NNRC drivers. He'll probably look at me like I'm crazy, but, you know, we're going to make him uh, an, an honorary NNRC driver till he says that he wants to be one. But he's going to be one. I don't know how that's going to work out. Anyway, guys, uh, links for all of these companies. Thank you to all of them for all the support. Links. Uh, affiliate links where we got a little slice coupon codes where you save some money and uh, if you just want to buy something from any of these companies just let them know that you heard about them on the No Name RC podcast and uh, that Lefty sent you thank you to all those companies links for that in the written all of that in the written description of this podcast shout outs real quick before we get on to bringing in our guests I want to say happy birthday to quite a few people here first uh, birthday to Hunter King I don't know why he's first but he's going to be first Happy birthday to you, Evan Roth. Happy birthday. Javier Herrera down in Bolivia. Happy birthday to you. Armando Luchin. Happy birthday. Uh, Alex Morelli. What's up, man? Mike Battalier. Mike Gremlins. Jerome Harvey. Bermudian guy. Uh, Cody Beeson. Little uh, Big Chicken. Steven Johnson. Let's see. We got Corey Williams. Happy birthday, man. Roger Coward. Father of... Uh, Wilson Coward, happy birthday to Will I Am Smith, and happy birthday to Chemo RC. It's coming up in a few days here. Thank you guys for all the support. Jacob Savage, who else we got up here? Jeremy Quartz, birthday coming up. Man, I really want to get Quartz on the podcast. I really want to get him on it. Dakota Fenn's birthday coming up here soon, too. I think that's the right Dakota Fenn. Sam Cobley, Tyler Hovday, you know. All good. Happy birthday, Joseph Meador. Happy birthday to everybody, man. Andy Kirk as well. Miserable Andy Kirk. Happy birthday to all you guys. 
Uh, thank you guys for the support, and I hope you guys enjoy your day. A little bit of sad news. Uh, rest in peace to Brian Campbell from the Georgia RC community. So that he passed away this past weekend, uh, past week. Uh, a lot of people went to some races this weekend, and they were dedicating that race to him. So, um, yeah, man, uh, uh, rest in peace to him and his family, and our condolences go to him and the Georgia RC community. All right, Max. So I think we should bring in our, our special guest. Yeah, it's been kind of bugging me that we haven't brought him up. Literally bugging you. Yeah. Maybe his name has something to do with bugs. <laughs> Who knows? That was a great segue, by the way, because you really want to know where he got this name from. But uh, he's like, he's nervous. Look at him. He's all nervous. I can see him in the background. Let's bring him in. Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Man, your name is really bugging Max right now. He's bugging out over your name, Roach. What's yeah. up? Not much. Uh, we already did a little bit of uh, talking before we got on the on the actual podcast, mostly in Discord. Just that, basically. You know how that oh, the be. NNRC Discord. Oh, man. It's definitely always a lively conversation in there. We're just having a it. conversation I in there. It. Yeah. <laughs> Join it if you guys want to. Check it out. Links for that in the written description. Um, what's up, Cade? Uh, so just in case you know, this is Cade Williams, a.k.a. Roach RC. He has a very good YouTube channel on on youtube called roach rc it's a great just dropped a really great video i enjoyed it um i met you about two years ago at masters of of dirt it's great to see i already was telling you off i said wow when i ever met you you had less subscribers than me and now you have more subscribers than me so you know <laughs> yeah. i'm all i'm you know i don't know but hey you, your, your content's really good i enjoy it um you know i keep up the good work i know it's not easy it was good to meet you. Uh, I guess we've become friends over the time. I've seen you at the races. And um, I remember we was talking about you last week. And then I was like, you, we kind of started messaging. And I said, like, you know what? I'd like to bring you on and see, you know, talk with us. You've had Max on your podcast, on your show. You haven't had me. Um, Listen, I said it already. It's because I last time I did an interview with Brent Desperate, it really wasn't great. <laughs> But I was see not what I mean? You had Brent, you had you had uh, Matt, you had all these guys in your in your show, but you haven't had me. I I can see how it, I see how you feel. I see how you it know. Is. All you all need right. to do with Keenan is you bring him on your show, and then you tell him like sponsorship and sportsman, and he'll go on for two hours. You know, I'm not saying it's good content, but he'll go on for two hours. Yeah, we we have a whole rant about sportsman from the last podcast that we actually re-recorded because it was just yeah. Off. I read of f bombs. Yeah. You re-recorded think, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think oh, I think we went on for like forty-five at least minutes, an, at least like forty-five <laughs> minutes to an hour talking about sportsman and sponsorship, and then like we had we planned like we'd split the recording on like Wednesday and Thursday or whatever, and uh, then when we started on Thursday, it was like, yeah, I don't think that was really good. We was just ranting about it, so then we just like scrapped the segment and did it again. So. <laughs> yeah, it was good. But you did a you did a very good video this past week on on that very topic. You brought up some good points. But I think before we get there, I know Max asked this, and I said we're not gonna we're not gonna say enough until you get on there. And uh, yeah, explain to everybody where Roach RC came from because it's a very unique and weird name. Okay, so there's a couple reasons. I think I told you this before. I know Actually, why. Yeah. I know why. And um, basically, what happened was. I was up in New York for a little while visiting my sister 
and they had me working at um, the Bronx Zoo. And I think to try and scare me, they had me working with the Madagascar hissing cockroaches. But eventually I kind of grew to like them a lot for some reason, which is weird. And I'm like, well, it's a weird name. It's easy to say. Why not just do that? And so you're a fan of cockroaches? Only that specific type of cockroach. Google Madagascar cockroaches, Max. Let's pull up some Madagascar cockroaches and find them. Because I, yeah, I have a feeling the that they're these big, giant cockroaches. Yes, man-eating cockroaches. Yes, they are. Yes, like, they are. that can eat you. Because they're from Madagascar. Madagascar if you were dead, they'd eat you. I don't want to see no big, giant roaches. No, <laughs> so you're a I'm roach fan. And uh, basically, you decided decided to call yourself Roach RC from that. Well, there's more reasons to it. It's also like I like you mentioned before. I used to have be much more nervous and much more, I guess, like skittery like a roach when you turn on the lights. Yes. <laughs> um, but I'll, yeah, that thing. That's there's a male, a by the way. Roach. Look, he knows how do you know male. it's a male? Because it, it, ha- it has horns, as you can see. The horns, oh, okay. I, that's a whole nother tangent. But um, basically, I looked at that and I thought, well, I always used to have bad self-esteem. I always used to be very nervous. I'm nervous now, but more nervous than I was before. So why not try and turn that into something positive? And there came Roach. It's, it's like your wow. alter ego. Yeah, at this point, yeah, you know, you're it's like kind of like uh, your Superman or oh, Batman, you know, it's kind of like your Roachman. You yeah, say even you RC Roachman. There you go, you know? Roach. RC Roachman. I was RC wondering Roach. how long it would take you to get there. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even get it when you wrote it there, but yeah. No. Oh, good. Um, I think that was one of the things I told you when you you asked me a question at Masters. It's like, how do I get better or do? And I said, just be confident, even if you ain't right. Project confidence. I've watched that over your over your your progression in the last two years. Um, you you drop great content. Let's talk about that, like your RC content. You've come up with some good things. Uh, recently, I think it was um, it was we was talking about Sportsman Driver or no? How do we grow RC Part Two? Mm-hmm. So uh, tell us a little bit about your thinking and a lot of the things that you do do the topics you come up with, and I guess how much work it does take for you to do that. What are you laughing at, Max? You said doo-doo. <laughs> doo, you are doo. such a child. Jesus, Max. Can somebody be an adult here besides me? Anyway, uh, to answer the question, um, it takes most of the work comes from just writing the script. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been really good at writing, and I guess write, reading from a script of like, Talking without a script for me is a little bit of a challenge, as you can probably tell. But when I'm able to like sit down and like re-record something or like perfect it, I'm really good at it. And same thing, I write the way how I talk, basically. Mm-hmm. So the last video I did, the State of RC Part 2, was about five pages long. And just reading from that, it took me about another three hours to record it, just trying to get it like right. But the easiest part for me has always been the editing because that's the more that's the fun part. That's where I get more creative with what I do. More, um, what's a good word for it? It's, um, well, I guess, creative would be a good word for it. Just being able to do what I want to do. 
that's where you can um, express yourself a little bit yes. more. Okay, I got you. I, um, I love you're like how... the complete opposite of me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I hate, I... I can just about read a script. I wing everything and accept all my mistakes and you just have to, like, that's it. You're complete yeah. opposite of me. Everything's winged, like, I just yeah, and I think, I think just when you said, like, you wrote five pages, like... I could see him I die know, like, on screen. Yeah, yeah, and also, like, the funny thing is, like, we always do scripts for this podcast, but Keenan absolutely hates it. And if you've ever seen, like, like this, this script that we now have that we shared for you as well, mm-hmm. uh, it's, like, it's, like, done by me, and I've kind of, like, uh, you know, revamped it throughout the whole of last, last, that's a year and a half, two years. But you should have seen those early podcast scripts. It was basically just like random words listed beneath, like below each other. And that, that was would, the script. And that that's how it did. this guy did like 150 podcasts oh, before oh, I came along. <laughs> but one thing oh, I also want to say. That would drive me up a wall. I bet yeah. it would. I bet it would. Yeah. I think the scripts he did was actually more confusing than just like 100% winging it. But. I have to say, you know, because I did, I did that in my series on YouTube. I think it's now almost, it was 2021, so it's almost two years back now. So when I did that series, I actually had no script for the videos. So what mm-hmm. I did was I kind of, like when I was at work during break or something, I kind of came up with like video ideas, like for the series. And then I, you know, had something like, okay, I'm talking about role center. So what are the key points? Then I like kind of narrowed it down down to like five key points, and I had like just headlines for five points, and then I just put on a camera and started talking, and then I That's had good. like thirty minutes of material, cut it down to fifteen, and then like I I even had it so that I would press play on the camera and then just like talk if I messed up the words or something, then I just talk again, and then I just cut it down. You know, I think like us, like you do the polar opposite. You like plan it for. It. The script, everything, what you do. So yeah. I'm like the devil for you right now. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts my soul. But um, yeah, basically all I do is just that and just do it over and over and over again until I get it right. So, yeah. it's, so that's why a lot of people think I sound, well, like you said, you think I think a lot when I talk. It's because I trip over my words a lot. Yeah. And um trying to get it like well-spoken in a script is very difficult, but doing it is very rewarding. <laughs> you are yeah. very articulate. Way, you, you are very much more articulate than I'll ever be. You know, my, between yeah. my accent and how fast I talk and then also speak in two different languages, like some, I get so confused. I don't know what to, I don't know how the hell I call races. I don't know how yeah. I do it, but I don't know. Yeah, but it's interesting because I feel like you're the most clear when you're calling races. Like, I think during podcast you you kind of talk talk around more maybe than during the race. I don't know if it's just because you know what you're gonna you're saying, you're seeing it. But it's actually like I was surprised because I thought like you'd kind of you know get stuck at points, like you don't know what to say next, because you'd be having so many ideas in your head. But I think like now that you've called mm-hmm. races, you're actually really freaking good at it. Getting better. Like, I was surprised. All right. Um, back to Roach. So, Roach, you are an avid racer. Um, I guess I always want to know how you got started in racing. Uh, you do race in Georgia, but has has that always where you've, you've been racing down there in Georgia? Pretty I know much. that. Uh, where's your your local track? Is the uh, Hobbiton? 
it used to be. So I'll, I'll get into that a little bit. What happened mm-hmm. with Hobby Town? But it's um, not here no more. It's still there, but I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, but initially, I started racing back in 2012 when I was like 12 years old. Um, at Hotshot RC, it was down in Marietta, Georgia. And initially, it was because I wanted to do um, drifting initially. Drifting, I saw like a bunch of drifting videos on YouTube. I saw RC Sparks doing that um, one drifting video with those, I think, Exceed RC cars. And I wanted to do that. And we were looking, and my dad at the time was looking to do slot cars because he's that's what he looked at when he was growing up. But we couldn't find any slot car racing, so we found RC racing. And it was on-road at the time. This is like when on-road was actually still a thing here in Georgia. Eventually, I got my X-Ray T3. Or no, no, no. It was a, um, before that, back up a little bit. Um, I had an HBI Sprint 2 Drift. I put some grip tires on it. Went around in Novice. It was, it was very fragile. It broke a lot of the time. But after that, one of the guys there, I think his name was Andrew. Or no, it was Alex. He, um sold us his old x-ray t3 and that's where my love for rc racing really started to kick in even though i was a bit of a hothead at the time i yelled at marshalls all the time i was very i was very articulate on the driver's stand let's say and uh um, i just got see you yelling at people well that's well the reason why that happened well the reason why i don't anymore is because one of the drivers named fernando he was a really good South African racer at the time. Basically pulled me by my arm, pulled me to the side and said, look, if you don't want to get marshaled, don't crash. It's on road. You shouldn't be crashing. And that stuck with me ever since. And over time, I really just kind of mellowed out, I guess, with age. All right. So fast forward. So you've been racing since you're 12. Did you get out of, get out of it for a little while and then got back into it recently? I did. Basically, Hot Shutter C closed down and all the tracks around me um, were very far away to where I couldn't really like I couldn't drive there because I didn't have my own car yet. Mm-hmm. My dad wasn't able to or my mom and dad weren't able to support me in that respect. But eventually another track opened up close to me, like literally 15 minutes away called AJC. And you can actually see that track. It's like a small AstroTurf track in some of my earlier videos. Don't watch them. The audio is terrible. Um Basically, that's what got me back into it to a point where I could actually go out and do it myself without any support mm. from anyone else. Okay. But right. fast forwarding a little bit to what happened at Columbus, the race director, um, Sean Harding, is having a kid. Mm-hmm. And he so just had course, one. It, or I think, I think, I think he had it. You think boy. he had it? Yeah, yeah, boy. Okay. Well, obviously, he wants to spend more time with his son, obviously, right? And he doesn't want to be going out and like having to drive two and a half hours to Columbus every single time. Um, so that happened. Unfortunately, the um, owners of that hobby town weren't too much into RC as a whole. Mm-hmm. They are much more into archery and archery was the big moneymaker for them. So they didn't really support the track as much as they could have, even though it was like, that's where the Roar Nationals were like well, last, last year, year. Yeah. last year. So the track is still there. However, I'm not sure if it's going to stay there. They're looking for a race director, but if they don't get one, they're going to replace it with archery pretty much. Okay. 
Um, you've been, <clears throat> I think over the last year or two, you've been doing a lot more eight scale racing as well. That is correct. Um, so where do you race eight scale? Logan is Loganville near you. Is that your Loganville? Local that is my local track now. It's about an hour away. All right. So up there hour? is Mark. Yeah. Hour. Oh God. I, I love how like <laughs> Americans say local, like <laughs> that's oh, local. It's, it's <laughs> that's like, I mean, that's, it's worth it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, gas doesn't cost ten thousand dollars a gallon like it does in Finland, Max. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Exactly. Granted, my car takes premium, but still, it's like there you $3 go. a gallon. All right, so good stuff. I guess YouTube. What got you interested in that? And you you have very unique videos. It's it's very unique, like the way you do them, um, the sub subjects that you, that you bring up. So, what got you into that? Again, goes back to my dad. Um, he basically gave me a next six camera, which is like over there. Mm -hmm. Um, he basically said, look, you love doing this as a hobby. Why don't you, instead of just consuming content, create content that people would actually want to see. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started teaching myself how to do, at first I use NCHS, um, as a, um, editing software. It was terrible, but it was very simple. Now I use DaVinci Resolve. So teaching myself how to write a script, teaching myself how to edit, basically teaching myself how to film. He's already, my dad's already a photographer. So he taught me a couple of things on that end. And my mom, on the other hand, she's been giving me just support in general, trying to push me to do stuff that I love. So having parents that support you, you know, it, it helps a lot. Being mm -hmm. able to, you know, spend Absolutely. a lot of time just going like this. Your dad's a photographer, like for a living. Not for a living. He's an engineer. He does photography as a hobby. Okay. 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 So, you, what's your favorite video so far? What has been? What are your favorite type of videos to make? Because you make uh, a lot where you document your own racing. Well, what are the ones that you prefer to make? I prefer making history videos. I like them too because I'm a history guy, but and um. I think one of the things you said in the Discord server, though, is one in the grind my gears section is mm -hmm. trying to find history on RC is a task and a half. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's awful. Absolutely. It's all it it's bad. all old forums. It's all spamware in there. Um, the easiest one I did was probably Team Associate because they document all their yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. It's basically that's what one of the things, though, that helped a lot was um I forgot his, his name was Mr. Butler and he was a, for Schumacher. And I emailed him, look, is there any way you can give me some resources to um, look up some old Schumacher stuff? And he sent me some old um, ads and stuff like that of, of um, the designs of the, all the old cars. I didn't know that their initial 12 scale pan car was made out of Lexan. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's crazy. It was made out of, yeah, it was made out of Lexan. So it, it bent and twist and it was more durable but it was also easy to drive. And That's I didn't cool. know that. <laughs> Interesting. I know I know they had a four-wheel drive that didn't have like the pin holder, the A block. It didn't have that. All it had was like a big thick O-ring. Mm -hmm. So if you'd crash the car, you know, the, the crash back system. Yeah. Yeah. Was it called that? That was the crash back system, yes. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Like so it, come up it just that. the O-ring just sprung it back into place. The O-ring yeah. it, it would move the arm backward and then the O-ring would spring it back into place. Yes. No way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. <laughs> think well, about that. That's freaking crazy. I, I think 
I think that what you do, Kate, what we do here on the podcast, 20, 30 years from now, and people are looking for content, they're like, all right, there's our history, you know? Yeah. Um, probably one of the reasons why I really, really enjoy talking to the old school guys, you know, that I grew up watching on, on reading about in the magazines and all that stuff. Because following this podcast, I'm actually going to be interviewing Joe Johnson. I'm trying to research him. And it's like, I'm li- I listen to R- Radio Impound podcast to get some information about him. I'm sure there's, you know, there's probably information about him, but it's just very hard. This is probably where we, we, we're missing Neil Buggy too, you know? And when, when Live RC was really good doing interviews and having all that type of stuff up there, Red RC is another good source, but we are, without having Neil Buggy available, we, we've lost a lot of RC history yeah. and stuff I like think- that. That's a shame. I hope I hope his articles are archived somewhere because I don't they probably think they are. They are. Yeah, but I think because the website doesn't exist anymore. They only have the smug mug. So no, they have the smug mug. Yeah, um, because I I did a lot of that research when I went to do my interview with Mick Craddock about past worlds. Yeah. So I went in there and read a lot of his blogs from that, and we don't have that. We don't have no more blogs no more. Yeah. Nothing. No. So it's it sucks. Which is still my dream. Create a website with blogs and RC news and not just advertising colored washers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, what's it, been your most successful video so far, Kate? Uh, it's probably been exactly that, the associated video. It has, let's see real quick. It has, I think it was like popular 31,000 views now. It's been That's that, good. the Kyosho video the stadium truck versus short course video and some mistakes to avoid in RC racing, which I'm actually going to redo because it, again, audio is bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So what's coming up to... next for you in your video? Sorry. Sorry. Let me, I, I, you could go after this, Max. Yeah, what, yeah. what do you have planned next for your viewers? Well, obviously I have the, a gamma video that I'm working on um, for the coming year, probably later in the year, probably like mid or late, like Q3. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, like I said, I'm going to redo the, um, unwritten rules of RC things that we as racers take for granted, you know, like put your car down on the staging area not on the straight, never stop on the straight, just, just general simple stuff like that. So someone might be too embarrassed to ask, like gotcha. just the, ba- just like adjust the basics video. Gotcha. Gotcha. Other than that, it's basically just whatever pops into my head at the time. Awesome. So you still enjoy it though. I still enjoy it, yeah. Okay. That's good to see, man. I'm glad to see your success in that. Also, it's allowing you to get racing more. And I think a lot of your videos resonate with a lot of people, man. So I'm I'm very happy uh, that it's it's succeeding for you. If you guys don't go to Road Road to RC, hit that sub, like, notification button. Leave a comment, share, because it's a very great channel with lots of good content. Matt, you had a question for the Roach man. Yeah, because I've been interested, like... Obviously, you do a lot of like, um, I don't know if you could call them like vlog type content where from your own races, but like talking about your own races and such, mm-hmm. but which are like, like not that uh, rare in RC. We, we do have videos like that, but I think something that no one else really does from RC is the so-called video essay type videos you do. So like, did you... Like, was you into that part of YouTube? Like, was you watching a lot of video essays from different stuff? Or 
gaming like lots and lots of gaming video essays that's where i got the idea for writing scripts it's where i got my video like structure ideas because i before i did rc i played a lot of video games like a lot Mm -hmm. of video games too many video games you're like what's your favorite favorite? halo by far in fact i actually have a pit board that is designed halo and Jacob made that oh, for wow. you. Um, yep. Yeah. Vinyl solution. Page. Good dude. Jacob page. Good dude. Uh, what's his business again? So we can give him a prop. Vinyl solutions. That's vinyl solutions. Hit up Jacob Page, avid racer, and um, sticker guy. Cool. My son is big into gaming. Like I cannot get him away from gaming. Which, which. He watched me as a kid gaming. I was never good, right? But I like to game. But now, like, my wife gets so angry, but I'm like, do you honestly, like, I know the potential that he can do with gaming. Like, just streaming, he can make money. And I'm just like, she doesn't understand that part. You would, It's funny. You think what I do, she would understand that, okay, there is some potential. Of course, he would make way more than ever this podcast would make if he was a good streamer. <clears throat> but Right now, gaming is can be a legitimate future for kids nowadays. Not even yeah, talking about on the comp- competition level things. <clears throat> and it's uh, I, I remember Nick Damon said, if we could get one percent of the gaming guys to race RC, it would change RC so much. That's you what know? I've been trying to do. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's actually, hard. I think it's a good you know thing to ask you. Like, what made you choose RC? Because like. Clearly, you could have started, you know, making gaming essays like you was mm-hmm. interested in. You could have, like, just continued to focus on gaming, maybe different aspects of gaming. But, like, I think you actively chose to, like, pursue RC and then, you know, try to make content for RC. So why why did you do that? There are two reasons. One, I just like RC more. It's mm. just more enjoyable to me. The second is it's healthier for me because a little bit side tangent, I have depression. And um, sitting in your room in the dark, looking at a TV screen for a couple hours a day isn't healthy, mm-hmm. even if you're playing with other people. So go- doing RC, it forced me to get out. It forced me to socialize more often. And it's helped me a lot in that respect. Yeah, I, I, think, I can appreciate that. Yeah, I think that's good. And I think, you know, that's like, I, I kind of feel the same with RC in a sense that you know, it's like for gaming, it's it's like fun. But with RC, it's like you're actually doing something. It feels like you're actually doing something because you have a car you can wrench on and then you go out to the track. So, yeah, I think, you know, that's that to me is also kind of what makes RC special because gaming and RC in the end are really similar. Yes. But you're actually interacting with people, not over through a screen, yeah. right? You're interacting exactly. with people. Uh, and believe it or not, that is what I miss right now. So here I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've only been home for two weeks and I'm like, I want to be back at the track. And so I know a lot of people, so they'll see me like, like if I go to the city race is starting th- Saturday, when I have to start my work, you'll see me. I'll walk around. I'll talk to people. I enjoy that part of it. Right. Because I know once I get behind the screen and start talking, I'm not going to see you. I'm not going to be able to talk to you because I'm going to be there. Right. So that social aspect of RC is something very important, something that I crave, that I enjoy. 
not only are these people that support the podcast, support me, the friends of mine, like my RC family, I like to go around and talk to them. So <clears throat> gaming doesn't have that because it's always that screen, right? I heard my son screaming in there at his friends and I'm like, yeah, like, but socially interact with people is a little different for him to socially interact with somebody without being beyond a screen. You can't yell and scream at the top of your lungs in someone's face. It's not going to go well. <laughs> no, no, of course yeah. not. Of course not. Of course not. Which he's about to find out one day when he raises his voice to me and it's like, wow, stop your noise. <laughs> um, all right. So good stuff. Well, thanks for joining us, kid. That's it. We'll see you later. No, but I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> no, we are going to have you here. We're going to be doing some RC news and all that type of stuff as well. Getting your opinion on things. Uh, I'm hoping this leads to maybe coming on the podcast every couple of weeks to join us. Uh, we've been looking for a third person to join us, and it's about finding that right person. We always get accused of being too Euro biased, thanks to this guy right here. Yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've seen that plenty at the track so far. You, you know, know, I'm not. I'm not Euro biased. Oh, you I'm, are from Europe, so you yeah, would be biased think, towards Europe. No, but I think I think I'm just fair. You know. I just think some people can't handle the truth. You know, it's like it is what it is. Oh my god! A lot of people rules. are gonna watch. A lot of people are gonna watch this uh, video and podcast and be like, "Kate, you're a traitor. You're no. right, go." <laughs> because you you also watch RC on a national and world level as well. It seems like you know, you, we're just looking at your videos and some you could you can understand because you can value. You can value the racing that's going over in Europe. I mean, we'll get Max and I are excited about Montpellier that's coming up this weekend, right? Because it's a huge race, huge race with all the top talent, some of the best in the world racing. I would love to see more Americans go over there and race. Some have, it just hasn't fared too well for them when they do go. Yeah, I don't like, think I, that's yeah, not Mayfield, the race you want to go to. Yeah, I'd be Mayfield seen and I think Cab went there, but I, I think and, they, um, they didn't go. Well, Lutz went there and Lutz there, he didn't in the quarterfinals. Dude, <laughs> so. that, I'll never forget that. I st- I met the guy at IBC and I was like, dude, you are forever etched in my brain as that guy who just punted Lutz for that yeah. <laughs> for that bump spot. Punted him. Damn. All right. <clears throat> well, before we do that, we have to pay some bills. And uh, the RC News is brought to you by Invisible Speed. And the books are shipping now. But let's have a few words because the online course is awesome. Check it out. Stop scrolling, you nerd. Learn something new with Invisible Speed. Are you the driver of this car? Yes, sir. Why? You just uh, won a free alignment. I had my car touched by JQ, and now I don't feel safe. I can say that he did did improve his time 10 seconds and his best lap. Last question. Would you recommend the Invisible Speed course? Yeah, for sure. Spend your money. Good spend. If you want to learn more and make your speed visible, Stop scrolling. That's right. The new Invisible Speed book is available to everybody. You can order on invisiblespeed.net. Also bringing you the RC news is High Tech RC. High Tech RC has been a longtime supporter of this podcast. And High Tech is coming in strong and in charge in 2024 with the introduction of our new, their new suite of charges, the RDX2, 
200, the RDX 2 800, and the RDX 4, which you can charge up to four different batteries. Depending on your charging needs, HiTech has you plugged in with power, with the power, multiple port flexibility, and the ultimate reliability you require. Uh, you can go to www.hitechwhere to slash where to buy in the links in the written description, and you can go buy yourself a high tech charger or some of the new servers. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use some of that sponsor money to go buy Kate a boom arm so his mic doesn't make all that noise. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> well, I'm only joking. Um, all good, but thank you to High Tech RC. We greatly appreciate your support. Thank you to Invisible Speed. Check them both out. We can't do that without their support. All right, so up first in our high tech news is hold on, where is it? Where did I put it? Um, all right, so Matt, you just want to get right off the bat and get us into lawsuits right off the right. No, off no, the no, bat. no, no, no. Can we start with like some lighter stuff? Like JQ released his viral video to David. You know what? I, I, would play that? That, I would play that video, but we're gonna get copyrighted, so I'm not. Yeah. But it was an awesome video. We didn't use epidemic sound. Yes, but JQ yeah. would never use Epidemic Song because he wants the song to have meaning as well. But JQ told me he was making a video to say thank you and goodbye to Rana Falk, which is always a good thing because they're good. they were good friends and it was a very good 2022, not the best 2023. As you know, he's departed and gone to X-Ray. And it was a great video, man. And um, I was talking to him last night. And I was like, why are you doing up this late? And then... Uh, it was like, he's like, it's one o'clock because he's in Spain right now doing motocross and this and training, uh, testing with Robert. And then, like, I saw the video and I was like, ah, that's a good video. Actually, I had posted it, but I saw that you had already posted. So, what was you doing up that late, too, Max? You know, it is what it is, you know. Uh, I don't really know what's what the fuck's going on with my sleep schedule, but I kind of have, have issues <laughs> in that regard, you know. I think before we started actually recording today, um, he was asleep. Yeah, man was dead. No, we was talking about this because me and Roach kind of share the same thing. You know, we we sleep in a lot. So you young bucks. And I, I, my argument to this was um, that you know we're the same age. We we're born in you know two thousand. So we're the new generation. You know, we gotta get our sleep to get our brains. You know, intact. But then when I, we started this podcast, I did some calculations in my head. And I just realized that this year, Keenan, you are double my age. Okay? Exactly double my age. I'm not 48. No, I'm 23. Oh, uh, yeah. I go 46 this year. That's right. Yeah. We're, at some point this year, we're going to be, you know, you're double my age. Mm. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel 10 years younger. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, great video to, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I almost had a tear in my eye. I had a slight tear in my eye watching this video because it was some good memories. Um, you know, Ron Fox still my boy. I love him to death. I wish him all the best luck. Do I wish he is still with my uncle? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but it was a good time as much as. 2023 wasn't the best year. We forget how much of a good year 2022 was, right? Yeah. yeah he almost and won the world. What was it? The He won the Euros and then he came second in the world or something like that? Or? Yeah. I won one, DNC one jump e-bug. case. Yeah. Yeah. DNC e-bug. And he was basically one jump case away from winning the Worlds. You know, like it all came down to that last five minutes. So, I yeah. mean, imagine if he, like, I just like, it would have been crazy if he would have win, but. Yeah, I think 
I think the 2022, like, I've noticed, like, I know Joseph would never, you know, admit this. But I noticed, like, he, as, like, cold and tough and, like, uh, you know, emotionless he plays himself, I feel like he felt kind of, you know, soft with uh, all that uh, success they got with David. And I think, you know, that's why, you know, you have that emotion in the video too, you know? Yeah. Uh, so David funny made thing a is, soft officially, you know? Yeah. He's, he, he, it, it was a, it was a good gesture, right? He even said thank you to Adrian, which was good. Um, and you know, like I said on the last podcast, you never know how things might go. You never know how things go. Yeah. Maybe he's back <laughs> next year. Who knows? And, he might have he might come back to my or him and JQ working together at some point. <clears throat> and you never yeah, know. It was a good good send-off. And very I was very proud of JQ for doing that, you know. And um good job. If you guys want to check it out, it's on the invisible speed as well. It's just a it's like a one-minute reel. It's very good. I would play it on her, but like I said, I'll get copyrighted. Thanks to JQ. Um and good luck this weekend at Montpellier, all the drivers. We talked about we talk about Montpellier later on. Uh, all right, so let's just rip the uh, band-aid off because Max is, wants us to get. Actually, I I am I am coming to the defense of TLR here once again because I think this is a smart thing to do, right? Uh, we got. Uh, <laughs> we, hold on, maybe I shouldn't put it before the comments here. But <laughs> zoom in a little bit, you so you can't see the comments. Oh my people, too. people are not happy about this. Um, and I, I, you know, people's comments can be there. Uh, basically, TLR put up a letter saying TLR 10 scale parts availability update. Their, their TLR races recently, manufacturing issues have delayed production of our 10 scale kits and parts, resulting in a temporary lack of availability from our warehouse. However, many retailers carry TLR parts. And have availability. We encourage you to support your local hobby shops. Our eight scale products are not affected and remain in stock. To address the problem with the 10 scale kit and part availability, TLR and Horizon have been diligently working to expedite manufacturing and transportation of kits and parts back into stock with the utmost urgency. The stock levels of TLR, 10 scale kits, and parts will be corrected throughout the spring. Please keep an eye out on our social media outlets for updates regarding availability. TLR will continue to invest in all aspects of 10-scale and 8-scale racing with our product development, manufacturing, racing, and product support. And this has 248 comments and over 70 shares on this post. Um, and as you can see from the actual comments, like the very first comment you saw from B-Main RC is the first yes. word is unacceptable. <laughs> but yeah. I, 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 I don't a, know why you brought it up. <laughs> I don't know why you open it like this because I put it on the notes so it would show only the post. But then you open the picture and you could see the comments. <laughs> I so think the comments kinda... are hilarious. People are emotional <laughs> about this. But you know what? Um, this is not abnormal in RC racing. Usually, usually when there's no parts available, it's because the company actually earns money to the factory, right? Obviously, this is not the case with TLR. Uh, manufacturing has been affected a lot lately with different things and different costs. I mean, even, even one of the reasons why the, the, the Mayaku e-buggy took so long to get out was because the factory was trying to source different vendors and stuff like this. So this type of stuff happens. <clears throat> People want to kick shit. I get it. 
because it's TLR's horizon. It's the big, bad boogeyman, and nobody likes them. But at least they earn up to it and don't say two weeks. You know, they're earning up to it. Hey, guys, we're having some issues. We apologize. We'll get, we're working on getting it fixed. But no, RC people, RC racers, we don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> we don't want to hear that shit. And I get why people are upset, too. I do. But at the same time, at least they come out and say, hey, we're working on it. Give us some time. Go ahead, Max. You want to say something? Hold on. Before think- you say anything, mm-hmm. I got to put a disclaimer up. The words that come out of Max Mort's mouth do not necessarily do not necessarily depict the words and feelings of the No Name RC podcast. Disclaimer alert. Now I should like throw a curveball at you and say, "Oh, Horizon did everything right." So you know, you now it's like you know, he's reverse psychology to you. Yeah, we know reverse part, but no, I think. Um, hundred percent. Like this is the right thing to do. Just painting it as manufacturers like supply issues. I highly doubt it because I am quite certain that if they like had like more sturdy procedures for parts develop uh, parts production and so on, I think it could have been avoided. And like the thing with the Mayako e-buggy is that it was new parts. It was brand new parts that the molds were needed to be, and the, the machinings were needed to be produced and, you know, they weren't in stock. But this TLR uh, thing is these cars have been in on, on the track for uh, at least four or five years. The arms are probably like <laughs> close to 10 years old at this point. Probably not that much. I'm exaggerating, but still. So... All it comes down to is the factory who have the molds for the arms, for example, which was one of the biggest parts, front arms, they don't have those in stock. The factory who owns the molds or who TLR has bought the production and molds from, I don't think that, okay, let me rephrase this. There's two options. One is that company who produces them is either bankrupt, having issues, or don't have employees, or whatever. That's one. Okay, that's shit luck, you know. I, then I grant like all my best wishes to the Horizon crew. But to me, the more likely option is that that company has too many customers, and Horizon or TLR in this matter, they are not willing to pay extra to jump up on the priority list. To get the parts and i think this is the most likely option because especially when we're talking about plastic parts like they have the molds they most likely have the material or a very similar material available all they would need to do is attach the mold to a machine and print print the parts out or uh, mold the parts out so unless the actual manufacturer is like borderline bankrupt or whatever uh, or incapable of operating i i think it's more like a, a look in the mirror for tlr now that being said <laughs> i think it's funny how if tlr had been you know quiet never mentioned a thing about this you know just let it go people could have sent them mean emails just didn't respond like i think overall People wouldn't be as mad about it. No one would be complaining about face on Facebook, like, oh, TLR is doing this and blah, 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 blah. 
But because they share that, hey, we're really sorry for this. People are like, oh, now is my time to freaking pounce, you know, and shit on this brand, you know. So I think they could have phrased it a little bit better. I think they could have phrased it like, because most likely the issue is that they have had more cars sold recently than they were expecting and they have run out of parts, you know. That, and they could have said like, hey, we made a misjudgment in parts like um, – Part sales and we haven't prepared for this and now we're late from the manufacturer but they kind of just said oh manufacturers having issues we're sorry like that this uh this is happening to you now but we can't do anything about it kind of type uh, um, apology i think that probably is something you can blame them for but yeah i still i still think it's really funny like this is typical freaking rc community you actually say something out loud and everyone is like, oh, this is such a fucking bad person. They say something, they apologize out loud. Like, how dare they just be freaking quiet that you're wrong? Like, oh, But then they will complain crazy. if you're quiet. It's, it's like you're No, but they wouldn't. The thing, is, the thing is, like, everyone wants everyone to be quiet, but then they complain that everyone's quiet. But then exactly. if someone, like, it's, it's a fucking never-ending battle. I fucking hate this. And the best part is the majority of the people who make these posts are not the posts, but the comments on said post are probably going to go back to TLR as soon as they get back in back in the swing of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because like, oh, I, if, I, you remember? I got I got one better. I I think majority of those guys don't even run TLR. <laughs> they just complain for fun. That too, <laughs> that too. But like the people who do, it. I'm not going to go there, but um, I had to stop myself for a second. <laughs> but do you remember that scene? Do you, either of you watch Straight Out of Compton? Yeah. Yes. Do you remember that scene where one of the guys was looking out the windows at the protest and say, "Fuck them! They already bought the CDs after they were burning them and stuff like that." You can like argue and chide and all that other good stuff about how much you hate TLR. If you're going to go out and buy one anyway, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah, that they made the sale, yeah. and I I think a lot of it is just because it's in the RC racing world. Horizon's that big bad, um, that big bad, big bad wolf, right? That big bad corporation that's trying to take change. You know, just I got it. Change is a, a difficult thing. Um, it's kind of like with the slot machine, how people were actually blaming TLR for it, and I'm like. No, they just bought a company and shit happened. Like they came out and admitted it. I made it right to my to my knowledge. Right, you had to change this in. Yeah, and then like so, a two weeks after, Reedy had their engine had the same issue. Well, it was more than two weeks. It was more than two weeks. Well, it was like like end of last year, both right. Yeah, with the whole slot machine thing, people were blaming literally everyone, but they're blaming Roar. They're blaming um, Horizon. It's just like I dropped something. Um... <laughs> That's a sign. That's a sign. I should probably change the subject. Uh, <laughs> yeah, TLR, TLR uh, lawyer. By the way, at your window. <laughs> <laughs> um, go ahead, bro. Finish your thought. Oh no, that was pretty much it. Um, yeah. You want to know something that I've noticed lately? Go for it. I haven't seen Tran at any races this year. Yeah, where are you seeing? He's still working there, right? I believe so, but I have. He was not at SIC. He wasn't at Hooser. Maybe he's on vacation. I hope so. Um, but he hasn't been to. He hit it hard last year, so maybe he's on vacation. Yeah. I don't know. 
I mean, a lot of Americans, from to my knowledge, vacation at the beginning of the year, but I don't know. Yes. Uh, one thing I do want to say is, do I have to come watch you? We we know what are is happening to pro line. What kind of has happened to pro line? I don't think they have any big team drivers anymore. Uh, Aiden Horn, I don't know freaking why, but Aiden Horn is their team driver still. And um, then AKA, I don't can't think about think of a guy who runs AKA anymore. Lots. Ryan Lutz. He still runs them. I thought he, he still, still runs. Them. They just came out of, with like a new tire called the Lux. Yeah. And 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 Proline came up with a new tire too. Yeah, but. I, I know what you mean compared to the big team that they have, but this is all part of them cut and tie. This is yeah, what the corporate comes in. Hey, here's yeah. the here's the guy with the pencil, and here's the, doing the numbers, and he's saying, okay, we need to save money. Here, 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 and her. The bottom line is the bottom line, and that's how corporations yeah. work, right? Oh yeah, that's how business works. So yeah, the pro lines making money off them, crawling tires, you, you gotta, all that type of stuff. Yeah, you, you gotta cut this because I'm gonna fucking start. You're gonna, you're gonna get litigated. Right. Come quick, you know? you're gonna get us <laughs> litigated. Her, litigated, litigated. All right. Um, product release. All right. So we we did talk touch on this last week, and we also touched on this a little bit with Yana, but you didn't get to see it. But Kid, you said you're very interested in getting one of these, and this is the Mugen MSB one officially released. We're gonna bring up pictures of it again. Can I bring it up? I got it right here, actually. So go, go ahead. Um, go ahead, Max. Geek out on this. And I'm sure Cade wants to geek out on it because he wants one. Where be the pictures? Yeah. I... Let's see. I'll bring it up. Hang on one second. Oh, no, there it is. Oh, Kaden has it. Okay. So um, I have to say the body is a little bit ugly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, not so sure. Kind of... I like I like the boxiness of it. I'm not gonna lie, but the color scheme doesn't help it. Yeah. So basically, you know, we we took a look at Shina Dachi's car from the world, um, uh, a chassis focus of uh, of his car. Basically, it's just the you know same car at the end of the day that he had there, but now it's just finalized production version. The kind of idea was that, you know, last week when we did that segment about the yeah, Mugen was that, hey, maybe they come out in one month while well, it came out next week. So it kind of yeah. seems silly to talk about the same things again. But basically, yeah, you have a car that's uh, split between a Yokomo and a TLR. Put some, like you the, know, Schumacher like the, type elements there. But It's yeah. like the rear end of a Yokomo and associated in front end of a TLR. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's exactly kind of how you, you describe it because I, I know Shinodachi, you know, I, I think I should explain this better because people seem to not know this, but Shinodachi is the designer of Yokomo YZ2 and YZ4 uh, cars. You know, he basically invented the laydown gearbox. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he actually did, but I think like he he's the one designer who brought it to market in the... You know, I think it was 2014 with the YZ2. And I think he's been one of the most influential 10 scale designers. Um, he also made the, you know, the YZ4 and YZ4 SF. Which is why and, I'm pretty sure there's going to come out with a new four drive pretty soon. Yeah. If this, exactly. if this, if this is successful. 
which I'm not a hundred percent sure it will be based entirely off of its price. Yeah, so we we have some initial price numbers, and I think the MSRP was like five nine nine or something, which mm-hmm. is quite high. But then again, you know, who knows what the price was it, will end up? Was it being. the MSRP on the um, on their actual website, or was it like the actual price on, like, for example, aiming? I can't remember where I saw, but I think it was the website. The website, okay, because I know that Hot Bodies did the same thing. It was like a thousand dollars for the two wheel drive MSRP. Yeah, but it was the actual price was like six hundred and fifty. Yeah, but so HP was, was like silly expensive, and it was it was silly expensive. <laughs> it was silly expensive. It was dummy expensive, and yeah. that's why no one runs it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think. I think why this could be more successful than the HP tool drive, I think there's two pretty decent reasons. One is that I think this actually brings something pretty new and updated to the market in in, in terms of, you know, the geometric design, because the HP effectively it was AE and made with much more machine parts. Mm-hmm. But this is here, like, yeah, the front tower looks like a TLR, but at the end of the day, I don't think, you know, for example, the whole front knuckle assembly is not, not like a TLR, the rear end, you know, uh, it has this uh, shock tuning option, kind of more close to something like a touring car, the bottom end of the shock. And then, you know, obviously uh, with the anti-roll bar assemblies, um, rear hubs and so on, like, I think those are the things that kind of stand out. And then, of course, the middle of the car, I think the, you know, chassis layout, battery mount, all of that stuff kind of resembles Yokomo, but Yokomo seems to be going a bit uh, away in the current market. So I think this car would be replacing Yokomo in a sense. And then also kind of coming there to steal TRS clients right now as they are struggling to get parts. Yeah. Another thing I'd like to see from the Mugen would be to stick with that platform if it's successful for a long time. Because that's another thing that a lot of people tend to complain about with a lot of new, for example, X-Ray or even Team Associated now, is that they'll come up with a new kit like every year or year and a half. And people are just, and even though you don't necessarily need it to be faster, it's the it's FOMO, it's fear of missing out. And not everyone wants to spend $400 a year on a new kit. Yeah, I I tend to slightly disagree. I think I think the way Associated and X-Ray do it is a bit annoying. But I think overall it's the right thing to do. So uh to explain like my point, I think for example AE with the RC eight B four point one, they I think they did like 90% the right thing. So everyone is running the rear rearward weight bias chassis uh, on the nitro. And on the e-buggy, there was, you know, this motor mount clamps. Like now they're running just one clamp. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, who wouldn't make those changes? And it's not like you'd suffer that you aren't making those changes. And then, you know, uh, there was some other things like some like little like irons out, like, when you have a car, you release a part uh, that's like an option part, and then you you know include it in the next kit, basically. 
basically the new version was just iron putting on everything that everyone already put on yeah yeah basically and i think like that that sense of having a new car every year it's like of course you do it because if i think about like for example mayako now like well the the idea is to like release a new kit every year but it's not like you reinvent the wheel every year you, what you do is you have a car and uh you know throughout the year you test new stuff maybe you release a new you know servo mount or whatever and instead of everyone buying that for the kit like i remember when i was running the b3.2 it was basically that i you know got the car and then i got like a bunch of different parts that didn't come in the kit like gearing i changed the gearing i changed uh um arms because i wanted hard arms then i changed you know all kinds of little bits here and there just to get the like i think each of my kits was the kit price plus another you know price worth of, of parts that I, just to put it to my setup that i have been running so in that sense it would be stupid not to release a car every year but here comes the part that i really agree with roach that associated and x-ray both do and this is the thing that they introduce new parts that have not really been tested anywhere. Like, for example, in the case of B6 and B74 and so on, they have had like, uh, I'd say at least four or five different shock lengths, uh, shock shaft lengths. That. They have had like hundreds of different towers at this point with these cars. And it's just like a nuisance because... When you make an updated kit every year and you treat it like those are running changes, I think that's great. That's good. But when you have B6.1, B6.2, B6.3, and the difference between all of those is every, everything comes with the different, like B6.1 comes with 67 millimeter drive shafts and 73 millimeter rear arms. Then 6.2 comes with... Uh, 69 and 75 and then the 6.3 goes back to what 6.1 was like i think that's just silly like you shouldn't release a car with parts that you don't know are going to be better you know and i think this is what mugen did with their mbx 7r they released it with universals and then at mbx 8 they went back to cvas so like this sort of flip-flopping is stupid i think and i think the way you should do releases would be that you keep the car very similar and you do the only the absolutely necessary uh implementations of parts and like shock tower design and those it's just in my opinion it's really stupid because at the end of the day 98 percent of drivers are not going to feel the difference between a two millimeter longer shock body so it's just like it's stupid and there, I agree with Roach, what he said. And my next question to you would be, when it comes to actually testing these new parts, do you think it would be conducive to have more than just the pros test them and actually have like... 100%, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, for example, I, I like the way Agama is kind of thinking right now. Obviously, I think this is kind of the Mayako whole concept of having, you know... MPC kit, then that's out for a year. And then next year you implement to the regional kit these things that actually work the best and are overall the best. 
And I think for associated, they kind of have the structure. They just fuck with the timing. So what they should do basically is that when they come out with new stuff, it should like, obviously, yeah, it's, it's better for marketing sense to release a new kit with some new parts. But I think you should have this sort of two year cycle. So you have the first, let's say six to eight months. This is the, you know, prototype phase of like hard machining apart, getting, you know, your pro driver to test it or your uh, car developer to test it. You confirm that it has potential. Then your next, next six to eight months, you release it to the public as an option part. Um, and then you kind of get your customer feedback. For Mayak, obviously, you can release it earlier on uh, as a community part, but for regular uh, car brands. And then if you confirm that the most of the customer base actually likes it, then you implement it to your next kit. Obviously, when you do a whole you know, concept change, like the associated date with the B7, then it's a different story. Like there's no way you can be like, hey, we introduced like new arms, arm mounts, new chassis, uh, buy this as an option part. No, no one would buy it as an option part. But I think there has to be some sort of at least like a good update to your car. And I think like the good gap you do it is like anywhere between like four to six years, like a big update. But then during that, you do running changes. Okay. And I think, I think that's the best way. And then during those like four to six years, you have this two year running cycle all the time going on for, you know, those yearly updates. So you release like 10 option parts and maybe six of them work. And then they are a standard part of the next kit. And I think it's, isn't that kind of what they did with the RCA B 4.1? Kind of, but then they made new shock tires and shock bodies, which is like, again, silly because nobody has run them. That's like, that's exactly why I was kind of happy about it until I learned that they had different shock tires and shock bodies. Because again, for those who already own the car, it's easy for them to buy the new parts. And for those who want to change the brand, like they can buy the car and it's the right. But then when you have all these mismatching parts, it's really annoying. Hmm. I have a question for you. Okay. So, uh, Kid, because Max and I talked about this in the last podcast, we also touched on this uh, when we talked earlier. <clears throat> Mugen, and one, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I wanted to get your opinion as an American racer. Um, whereas Mugen, as an eight-scale brand, kind of has its its legacy. It has Drake, who's very good ambassador for him. You know, he does decent at races. Not saying he's going out there and he's not winning these pro races. That's fine. Uh, they just came off a four-year, what, five-year stint with Mayfield as their driver. He won a lot of races. Over in Europe, we just saw Borak and Barkan. Uh, well, Borak made the A-main in with this car. Do you feel at some point very soon that for this car, this, this is the first time that Mugen's ventured into the 10-scale off-road scene in all the years. People have been asking them to do it for many, many years. Do you feel that Mugen has to go out and get, because let's not, let's not forget, stock is huge in America and mod. So do you feel they have to go out and, and get top stock drivers and a top mod driver to showcase what this car can do in order for sales? Not, 
I shouldn't say sales, but yeah, sales, but performance-wise, performance-wise, sure that it can perform at a very top level and compete and win. I think, well, in terms of sales, um, I think the main thing is going to be obviously getting their parts out there as much as possible Mm -hmm. because there are certain pockets. It also depends on where you are in the country. There are certain pockets where one brand is much more popular than the other, but I think the main thing that they're going to need is going to be part support at, Mm because that's probably the most important thing when it comes to new people choosing a different brand or choosing a different platform to run for a long time. As for whether or not they need top level drivers, I think for stock that might be the case to try and get an idea of how the car performs in a stock situation. But for mod, I don't think it's entirely necessary. Okay. Because I know a lot of people, we, this is a discussion that we have at the NNRC Discord quite a lot too. Does, does the big driver equate to sales? Maybe not, but it gives that person that running that car a dog in the fight at these big races that we all follow. It also right? gives them a really good resource to see, hey, what is going to work on this car and what's not going to work on this car. Exactly. But at some point, right now in 8 scale, they don't need it because they have Drake, they have the Killick brothers, Eugen is in some regions is very good. I mean, look, look at uh, SIC Chuck Burke and all those guys kicked ass. All Mugen guys, intermediate drivers, <clears throat> they kicked ass. But at some point, I feel that this 10 scale, and I was just having this conversation too the other day with another renowned person I'm going to have on this podcast. He's been on her before. He was having this conversation and he says the same thing. He says he feels that they need to have a, that top mod driver because it's not, we're going out in some, some uncharted territory for Mugen. Right, this is something they've never done before, so they need to get out there. They need to show that this car performs. They need to show performance-wise what it's going to do, and then show people, like you said, especially in stock, because stock is dominated. Like eight, ten scales dominated right now in America by AE and TLR. Mix in a little bit of X-ray, throw in a little bit of Schumacher, but still TLR and AE. Now over in Europe, it's different. It's Schumacher and X-ray. With a little sprinkling of with some AE, very little TR next to none, and now with Mugen, but they have a top driver gonna go represent it. I think that Mugen has to go do this, like with within by twenty twenty five. I would say to compete. The question, the question is, who do you think they would have? Yeah, that's the question. Who do they pay? Because they are known for known for not paying one. I mean, you know, they just it's just not fine. It's a business model. But how long can they rely on legacy? They have no legacy with the 10 scale. They have a legacy with 8 scale. They don't have any legacy with 10 scale. They do have the Mugen brand, which will be a legacy at some point. But proof is going to have to come in the pudding with victory. Yes, it's good to win on a regional level and do well on a regional level, but it's going to have to do well on a top national level with top drivers in top competition. I feel. So we shall see. I'm not a hundred percent sure on the whole on being like absolutely top level is necessarily needed. For example, at least at a regional level, mm-hmm. um, because at a world level, it's already proven what the car can do. At least on carpet. Well, at EOS, yes, at but EOS. That's, that's one race. It takes more than one race. Yeah, I always tell people it takes more than one race to be a pro driver. It takes a string of many, many good races together. Um, but also like. Um, sorry. Um, 
for example, HB is really popular in the um, in the Southeast United States. Yes. Um, as is Sparco is becoming a lot more popular in the Southeast United States. Oh, uh, Northeast too. East Northeast too. Yeah, because Power Harbors is right up there, and and that is probably why it is. But also, I don't think it's necessary. It, I think it proves that you don't necessarily need as much of a legacy to be as successful. But they have a legacy. HB has a very big legacy. I, I, mean, I mainly mean um, Sparko. Oh, well, Sparko is, is, a, is an enigma. Max and I wreck our brains about yeah. it. Um, it's still too early to tell, though, with Sparko. It's still too early to tell. Yeah. It's, it's, it's looking very good for it. I think they're going to sell a lot of cars. But will it has, to, it has to take the test of the year. You know, it has to go through that. Right now, it's still fresh. Everybody's getting it. Right? Um, Cavalry is going to have to go perform with it at some point too, because these guys are going to want somebody to, to root on. It's going to be, have to be Cavalry. We got Pavitas out there reeling it. Tyler Jones has seen some success with. I mean, we saw some success as SIC. We saw some success as and Peach. That I, I would say the SIC was a little bit more impressive because it was more higher level of competition there, mm-hmm. more competition there. So it's 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 still too early to see with with Sparko. But it's on right now. I would say it's on the right track because it is popular. It's becoming popular in the southeast, it's popular in the northeast. Not as popular as I would say HB is at the moment, or techno, or AE in these areas. But getting there, and with very little, with with very just clever marketing, right? I think I I swear I swear to go in heaven. I tell Max, I think it's the name. I honestly think it's just the name. Yeah, and I people think like the name. It just caught, it catches yeah. your eye. Well, I think um, another reason is, um, well, at least for me, was the way the car looks. It's a very pretty buggy. Mm-hmm. Now, did you buy one? I, I think you was thinking about getting one, or me? Mm-hmm. No, but I do did? plan on do. I do plan on doing like because mm-hmm. one of the, um, well, probably the reason why Sparko is getting more popular here, at least in Loganville. Mm-hmm. Is because one of the um, the regional manager for the United States and Canada races there. Who Crummings? Yes. Oh, he's a regional manager. Yeah. Um, or it's one of the managers. I, I I'm sorry, I forgot. Well, I know name, Curtis but... has one. Yes, and he races at Loganville a lot. Yes, um, and um, he has like a bunch of um, or he plans on building a bunch of um demo cars, mm-hmm. and they all look amazing. They look. It looks like a mix between a Kyosho and a Techno. Really? Everybody yeah. says it just looks like a Pillow Ball S-Works. I'm sorry. Seahub S-Works. At least in color-wise. It's like silver. It has like carbon fiber on the... It just looks nice. Mm-hmm. And it has like a little section for your little transponder. It, 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 it's, just, it's just a nice buggy. And I think sometimes that's all you really need. The Max wants to say something. Max wants to say I don't know. Really I, just, I don't. I don't like. I don't know what it is. It's got you. It's, got you it's, it's yeah, broken I, his I brain. I don't really. I don't really like. I don't see what these people are seeing because I think for for what I see, it's kind of like. I don't know how to say this in like a politically correct way, but to me, it looks like a t- Taiwan buggy. You know, like it. it like I, when I look at it, I immediately think like, "Oh, Taiwan," you know. And I mean, that's where it's made. <laughs> that is yeah, it's yeah, made. yeah. But the thing <laughs> is, like, when you look at a Kyosho, when you look at a Mugen, 
or when you look at an AE, they kind of, I don't know if it's just that we, like, I'm so used to, like, like other type buggies, but like, it's, it's really difficult for me because I, I know so many of these buggies that come out mm -hmm. of Taiwan. Mm -hmm. They don't really do well. They might look nice in some sense, in other sense. They but I think this awful. is a little different. I know what you're thinking of. There's where you go to a factory and it's like, or just pick a buggy and make it your own. I don't think it's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah, don't think but it's I that. mean, these guys are, you know, you know, like local to the factory. So it's kind of like a hobby wing in some sense. But I think, you know, to me, it's, <laughs> It's like the look of these cars, it's never like racy. Because when you look at a Kyosho, it looks like a race car, you know? You it just love like... Kyosho. No, but it has this feature of, you know, oh, here's the piece of, you know, um, plastic. I'm not going to make it too thick. I'm going to make it as small as I can. Um, here's the body shell. Uh, I'm not going to put any crazy, stupid, sharp edges on it. I'm going to make it look like a race car, like the air goes around it. You know, it's aerodynamic. And when you have like a, like a radio tray or something, and there's like, hey, there, you have to connect these two points. And it's just made so that where the forces would go, it has a material and everything else is cut off. It looks like all of it is like maximized in terms of performance or weight or whatever. But from what I look at Sparko, it kind of looks like those electric motorbikes, you know, electric dirt bikes. Because they all have this, like, yeah, they're probably faster on track than like actual dirt, like um, uh, internal combustion dirt bikes. But they all have this, you know, like... Uh, I don't know what's the word for it. It's kind of like a generic RTR. No, it's not generic either. Okay. It's like an RTR or like uh, that kind of like, Jesus. you know, when you look at a race go-kart and then you look at a go-kart from like go-kart, you know, uh, rental go-kart place, like that's different. That's what I see when I look at Spark. And that's why it's really hard for me to get the hype up. And that's because you're looking at it from a purely engineering standpoint. Not yeah, just I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you just mentioned how it looks more like, say, an RTR. RTRs outsell our, like kits by a yeah. long way. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and I but think I think even when you look at the e-buggy, I think like a lot of the solutions are very like from like a performance and that kind of perspective, it's it doesn't make sense. And it, it but in terms of like user friendliness okay the e-buggy has some stupid things in that but the the whole everyone brings okay i gotta now i gotta just yeah, i'm gonna come watch you because we, we gotta move no, on no, 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 no. <laughs> this is a quick one the fucking transponder slot like in my mind one of the stupidest things ever why would you need that but for 99 percent of people that I've talked about this car, that's it's the first, the first they fucking about. thing the they talk thing. about. I don't like, I don't understand it. And this is exactly- It's cool, the that's best. all they need. Yeah, I think and I think this is exactly the thing, because what I see is, oh, extra plastic where it doesn't really need to be. But what they see is, oh, this little red thing fits here. How nice, you know? It, it oh goes back to monkey brain. It's, 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 yeah, it's like, think, it's neuron activation. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. But I, I think that's the best that thing I've seen on that buggy for me. That's what caught my eye. Yeah, the... I think, but I think that's kind of something that I feel some brands miss, you know, this, this type of. You're also a guy that doesn't even want to receive a box on a on an electric car. So there yeah, we go. Yeah, I think yeah, the thing is like that's that's my thing because like why do you need a re- receive a box in an electric car? Cuz it like, gets wet. Well, if if okay, let's put they have it this waterproof way. receivers now. Yeah, they, they have, first of all they have waterproof receivers and second of all and if your freaking shock. receiver if your receiver gets wet, how the hell does your ESC not get wet? That is true. Yeah, so like to me, it's just like a ridiculous point. So I'm, I'm like, I'm over this no rate receiver box. <laughs> but I really knew it. I, I wanna, <laughs> I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna like have the have a nice ending to this because I think, I think it's good also that I admit that what Sparko has done is also like in some sense revolutionary revolutionary to this uh, the sport and the cars because they have successfully brought an 100% Asian branded car um, discounting Japan obviously uh, 100% like Taiwan slash China uh, they are obviously from Taiwan I, I know they are not going to like that comparison sorry mm. 100% Taiwan based car and company social credit reduced and- to 5 yeah yeah and 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 um they have successfully branded it themselves to the western market and they have made design decisions from their standpoint from what they know best in terms of design and engineering but marketed it so that it actually fits the western market so they have found the balance between being something like a ming yang or uh, a modern hobao and being and not not being like a Kyosho or a Mayako where it's like 100% performance they have found the balance between that because i see i feel like techno is the american version of spark they have went there was finishing way. up yeah they, they have went no, but i think like this is this is what we got to think of think of it as like they have found something that they can offer to people that is interest them that comes from an area where the car market is like way overpopulated and i think i think i don't know how they did it i i wouldn't be able to do it myself like that. neuron activation that's how they did it yeah but yeah it's 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 interesting to see how it will now perform because obviously the car is fast too i'm not saying that but it's going to be interesting to see how it's gonna be interesting to see what it what it looks like this time. Like this at the end of the year, will all these yeah. people that have gotten it, will they still be running it at yeah, the end of the year? So we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Same with the Mugen. All right, Max. Being as you ate up so much time on Sparko, <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to pay some bills. Uh, but before that, you guys do that. Make sure to do this. That's right. Don't forget to hit that sub notification button and uh, like or dislike button. Leave a comment or share this podcast. Help us get to 5,000 subs. Also, big shout out to Corsa Tech USA. Corsa Tech USA is your one-stop shop for all things Corsa Tech in the United States of America. You now purchase 
all the Corsetec range of products for nitro and electric powered systems and accessories used by world and European champions David Runnefalk and Robert Battier. Corsetec was established in 2022, founded by Adrian Bartin, a three-time IFMAR world champion in GP, as well as Oscar Johansson, a five-time Afro-European champion in electric powered. Corsetec is made by racers for racers, all available in America. You can find the link for Corsetec in the written description below. All right, Max. So I I don't know if I want to do this. I know I haven't looked at the notes in a while because I got carried away with the Sparko discussion. I don't know so if I, I want to do this, but I've given you five minutes to talk for you and Roach to geek out on this. Is it the MR? Yes, it is. MC yes, it is. I've only given you five minutes each. No, five no, no, minutes. No. Okay, let let me share it because. I know, oh, I know. Okay, so now you want to share it. All right. So this anyway, is, okay. Let, let me, me announce. Ahead, okay. Let, let, let me announce. Okay. Now you want. Okay. I'm 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 starting a new segment uh, on this podcast. Oh goodness! And the segment is called um, "Geeking Out with Max." Can I share it on my from my screen so I can like point with my mouse and shit? Yes, you want to point with your mouse. There we go. And yeah. and Kate, I don't I blame you because you are just as excited to talk about this as him. I'm going to stare blankly into space and pretend like I'm paying attention. You're going to do the thing called smile and nod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. Smile and wave. <laughs> Is this what you wanted to add right there, Max? There we yeah. Go. So last weekend at the US, um, the Emerald Racing um, Officially, I don't know how can you like what was that this thing, but they kind of made a press release combined with Tony Sport um, about the car uh, that they have been producing. I'm now blanking on the name of the chassis designer, but this is a a British guy, and um, let me find it. David Orbell. David Orbell. Okay, thank you. So David Orbell, it's it be it has been kind of his passion project for a long while now. I think at least like something like 2018, maybe even earlier than that. Mm-hmm. But he 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 started this out with you know a kickstart um, kickstart campaign uh, that he could you know get funding for this, but obviously the amount of money that would be needed was just too much. And I, I think he kind of gave up on that. I think there was some other people involved with the company or, uh, or with the MRO company. Um, I don't know if he's like business-wise involved, which is just as a designer. But now it's being bought up by, again, can't remember his name. I think... They might say it on here on the report. Um, Let's see. Uh, Yavuskura. Yeah, that's his name. So the Emerald, Emerald development team consists of three people, and Yavuskura is one of them. And he um, he is, I think, the current owner or uh, kind of head man of the production or bringing this to market, but David Orwell is still the main designer as far as I know. And there have been multiple prototypes in the past, I'd say at least five years that David Orwell has been running in the UK and he has been having decent results with it. But 
before the last EOS uh, last weekend, um, I think week before that, this is uh, Yaboskura, by the way, um, they were testing the car at uh, one of the German venues and mm -hmm. uh, comparing lap, lap times with other cars. And I think, I don't know, obviously, who was the driver, but assuming this is this release is done with Tony Sport and the car is in Mark Reinhardt's colors, that the car, the driver was Mark Reinhardt. <laughs> And that Mark was driving actually this car, you know, in the videos they released where he pretty much matched um, the pace of the EOS front runners at the same track. Um, so to go a little bit deeper into what actually is happening in this car, uh, basically the whole layout is a bit wild. So instead of having your regular, you know, shock towers or uh, the other design choice, which is already out there, the um, from the Predator uh, car that was first released in mid 2000s, and now obviously the newest addition to that style, the Agama N1, which Rhodes obviously has there, um, which has the shocks um, attached still to the arm but with an extra arm uh, between them which can put the shocks um, more laid down in without changing the shock gear geometry as much mm -hmm. well this this whole system takes a completely different approach which is instead of um, playing with the um, just adding an extra arm to the a arm for the shock they have introduced a cantilever system so on the arms, you have these um, turnbuckles or links, and these attach to a cantilever. And this uh, is effectively just a bell crank that uh, moves uh, on the same um, same or any calculated radius that transfers to the shock movement. So this way you can have the shocks inside the chassis, as we can see here, but the shock geometry uh, effectively stays the same as if the shocks were fully stood up. And this can be done through calculating the angles, calculating the length of the bell cranks, and so on. But as you can see, the shock lengths are pretty similar looking to uh, any standard buggy. Now, I'd say the, diam uh, not the, um, the bore seems to be a little bit lower too, though. Uh, it's hard to say. It, it might be, but I think it's 12... Uh, but I think it's same. But the the thing that I think makes it look like it's smaller is the solution on the top of the shocks. So instead oh, yeah. of having instead of having you know a normal shock cap where you either have a muscle system or bladder system, and this basically is because when the, the shaft goes into the shock, um, you're gonna have you know obviously less volume inside the shock available for the oil. So it has to somehow compress. One way to do it is have the bladder. Another way to do it is have air within the oil, emulsion, which the air compresses or, you know, um, not necessarily compresses, but gives more, you know, space to Pack. the oil. Yeah. So with this one, what they've done is they have a whole way through shaft, uh, a shock shaft. So there's, uh, like on the bottom of the shock, they also have O-rings on the top of the shock. And when the sh um, suspension is, uh, you know, goes in, the shaft goes through the shock and the volume inside it stays constant. So this makes it so that you don't have to have bladders. It gives you a much more, you know, 
consistent and um, like more predictable shock um, um, characteristics. So you can actually tune them probably more precisely. And also in, in some sense, it most likely gives you an advantage in bump handling, which maybe would be normally a disadvantage in, in cantilever suspensions if it, because sometimes it's really hard to make it like exactly the same as um, the standard shock layout. Now, obviously, as you can see from here, the overall layout of the car has been changed quite drastically to fit the shocks into the chassis. The spur gear is way above um, the chassis. You have the spur gear also to the right-hand side of the car to have the engine more centered. Um, the reasoning why this was done, as far as I know, is that David had calculated the forces between the spur gear and the rotor of the motor and calculated so that the rotational forces would effectively cancel each other. Personally, I kind of disagree with this choice he's made. I would have rather had it centered just for the driveline to be centered uh, because this obviously creates all kinds of axle plunge within the driveline, which mm -hmm. I'm not sure if he's actually took that into account, but I would expect like uh, that not to be the first thing to take into account. So I, that's one thing that may look off to you for uh, when you look at this car first. The second one is obviously the extremely long <laughs> steering link. So you have the servo all the way to the back of the car uh, where you have uh, the battery. The battery is essentially at uh, quite a similar location as it is on the most of the four drives, but they have the center drive shaft going over the battery and they have with that moved the battery more in to incorporate the uh, space for the rear shocks. And then uh, next to the battery, you have the steer steering servo that goes all the way to the front um, that connects to the steering linkage. And then behind the steering servo, you detach the receiver all the way at the back of the car. And then next to the engine on the other side of the drive shaft, you have the ESC. So it's basically everything is quite Weird. flipped. The, ba the battery is in the similar space, but everything else is pretty much flipped. And you have a really long rear drive shaft, really short front drive shaft, a center drive shaft I'm talking about. And uh, that's basically how it works. Um, for anyone listening to this, I know like probably a few minutes ago, you've already dropped from following this because it's a very, very different type of car that you normally be accustomed to. But another thing I'd like to mention what he's done with the rear cantilevers, which is interesting. Instead of connecting the cantilever to, uh, from left rear um, um, arm to the shock that on the left rear uh, side of the chassis, he's uh, co uh, contacted them from the opposite sides. So it looks very funny because when you push in the right arm, the left uh, side shock moves <laughs> because in the opposite side. On the front, I think it's made so that it's on the same side, but it's still quite uh, wild looking when the car goes over bumps. But um, yeah, I think... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Repeat that again? Yeah, so the rear shocks, mm -hmm. the cantilever connects to the other side of the car. So you, as you oh, have wow. the shocks laying on the chassis, mm -hmm. the cantilevers go like below the rear drive shaft, and then they con uh, contact the other side shock. So it's really wild looking. I, I don't know if, if we have a video of it somewhere. I can well, there is a video it. from Lasher that he has up on it. Yeah, yeah. So it's really wild so looking. Basically what you're saying, when the car turns 
left, the right shock compresses. No, when the car turns right and the left side, it, when the car rolls to one side, mm-hmm. the side shock compresses. <laughs> the yeah, that is a strange design. <laughs> my bra- my brain can't comprehend that. I'm done. I'm it, done. It, it it looks wild, but I think it's it it's just like it, it doesn't really change much in terms of the geometry. But I think it's I think it just creates him more room to create the geometry he wants to. Obviously, this version has a carbon fiber chassis, um, milled aluminium side guards, which is a really cool looking, kind of like wheel speed looking design. Mm-hmm. And then, um, aren't they working on wheel speed? I don't know. I, I do not know, but it would not surprise me if they were. Um, mm. And yeah, gearboxes fully machined from aluminium. Uh, obviously, no shock towers. So it's really wild looking. Because the Agama, in, where you would normally have the shock towers, now you have the shocks. Uh, but so you can see it a little bit better. Yeah, it, it's in a very small picture, but yeah, basically where you normally have shock towers, you have shocks. But this car, it just doesn't have shocks when you have the body on. I think that's like the craziest aspect. Of it. And just to go back to you know this picture, obviously that creates some new uh, possibilities as as this huge front wing uh, you can see here, as well as the very open air towards the rear wing. Which My first to, question which is, is, how would you wire it, like, cleanly? Because I wish they had shown what the actual car looked like under the body from Reinhardt's car. But yeah, I don't know. they had, a, they think... had just a press release car, like the ones with no wires to them. And, like, how are you going to wire this cleaning without getting in the way of the driveline? Obviously, obviously they I figured think, it I out, think, but, yeah. like... I think it's kind of like there's early Durangos where like the wiring would look really crazy, but then when people kind of figure it out, it would, you know, actually work out. So um, here is some video of it running, but this is last year. Oh. This is uh, at the. No, they have a new video. Let me. Oh, okay. Me get it well, well, you figured that out. This is at last year's EOS, uh, uh, EOS, which is actually a really cool track that up that elevated section right there. So. Um, as Max figures this out, also, if you guys are listening to this on the audio only platform, uh, just slip on over to the YouTube side of things and have a look at the video. Or if not, uh, go on Facebook for EOS Non, and they have pictures of the MRO. I know Circus RC shared some pictures as well. We were requested in one of the when I put when we did post this for Max to go into full science mode. So I am allowing him to do this. He's definitely going over his five minute quota. So he's going to be wrapping this up very shortly, and I blame Roach too for, you know, this as well. No, but I think I think this is actually very granted, cool. Yeah, I think like uh, this is effectively the automatics of Tensco. Where if if this car's car actually gets released by these really passionate guys that are willing to put their time and most likely no financial gain at the very uh, you know. Um, oh wait, that was the actual video. Yeah. That was Reinhardt running with the car. Yeah, so yeah, most likely no financial gain at least for a few years because people are scared to buy new stuff. I think it's it would be amazing to actually have this car brought to the market. And considering you know the innovativeness of it, I think it's it's just amazing because for open wheel racing, actually these inboard shocks are um, a thing that could be very beneficial. And um, 
yeah, I I'm really looking forward to how it would perform because from my spidey senses tingle that uh, we could see Mark Reinhardt racing this car at some event in this year. Perhaps that got me more excited than the actual car. So there we go. <laughs> perhaps we might even see the um, former uh, ten scale European champion attending the ten scale years in Sweden this year with this car. Who knows? It could be possible. Um, all I know is that would be cool as hell because mm-hmm. I don't see really any benef- uh, any deficits to this car's performance on uh, a carpet. So on, on dirt, on bumpy tracks, yeah, sure. I can see cantilever shocks not working, but on really smooth tracks with, uh, you know, smooth landings and so on, I don't think, you know, the suspension geometry is going to be really that difficult to figure out and i think this is kind of you know the issue with agama that it took a long long while to figure out functioning shocks for h scale buggies that work as good as they do today for bumpy tracks you know mm-hmm. kind of now we know what we need for bumpy tracks we have big bore shocks we have them quite stood up or then for some cars really laid down uh, but not in the between. <laughs> and then we have, you know, uh, a no low number of holes and very big sized holes. So I think this is kind of like the go-to in these days for bumpy conditions that work relatively well. And then you kind of fix that with other features. But for Agama, that whole thing needs to be fixed again, you know, because you have very different shock geometry, I heard some people run without the front roll bar, so clearly there's some issues creating the roll to the car. And, you know, these are things that come up when you design something new. You know, automatics took, I'd say, five to six years uh, from this initial release to having any international success. And now it's, like, arguably the best chassis in two classes, you know? And I think, you know... This this chassis, if it ever gets released, will go through that same development, and I really hope it does, because there will be others who follow. Like it has with, uh, happened with automatics. Now every car tries to do what they do, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I think that's why I'm the most excited about this, and I think that's why people should pay attention more to this, because doing stuff like this is kind of like a thankless job. For automatics, we basically had a freaking Russian rocket engineer who was like, hey, I want to design an RC car who could gather the funds and could kind of do it for fun. But I think these guys are kind of just passionate about RC and are trying to find ways to get their passion, you know, shared to other people. Exactly. Okay. So it looks interesting, though. I will say that. It looks a very interesting car. We've seen this cantilever-type system before, though. Uh, I think Schumacher used to have it back in the day, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know, Schumacher. Tamiya had it on... Tamiya had yeah, it. Tamiya had it on some... Oh, there was another car called the Predator that had it as well. Yeah, but that wasn't... I think, actually, if I'm not wrong, David Orbel is actually the designer of that car as well. Mm. I could be wrong, but I think he was involved in the... X6 and whatever those were. I, I remember messaging him. I believe he was. 
Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he is also the designer of the Predator. And that one, I think in the front end, it utilizes a cantilever suspension. But in the rear end, it has the same style as a Gama, where the shocks are on top of the gearbox. So that was kind of the... Do you have pictures of it, Roach? You seem like you're looking for them. I am looking for the Schumacher that had the laydown shocks. I think it was the... Not the Pro Cat, the Top Cat, I think it was. No, that's the... I'll find it eventually. Okay. Yeah. Um, let me quickly find some pictures of the Predator for you. Found and now this isn't it. Now who's the guy that's making that funky two-wheel drive car that has the front-wheel drive? And or the, it's a different. It's a different. Or guy, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool too. Now that's completely off the off the. Chair. That's completely off the wall. But unfortunately, they got hit by rules. Basically, what happened was. Um, they, you, in order for you to run like that car, you have to run it in the four wheel drive class. Yeah. Really? So all the rule books, uh, about RC is they have written it so that, um, <clears throat> you don't really, you can't, it's not really two wheel drive. It's rear wheel drive because mm. all the rules have, so have it so that the rear wheels are rear tires are controlled. And then the front tires are free. So essentially, you'd need to have a car which would have the same tires front and rear uh, that have, are both like wide. And also, on top of that, like the rules straight out ban front wheel drive. They just call it rear wheel drive. I found a, a picture of the Predator. It's not the best photo, but I this is a quick one I found. Mm, yeah. So basically, uh, what we have here is. The crazy thing about this car was that it was crazy in every single way. <laughs> so it had a 100% molded uh, um, plastic chassis. The arms were both like this modern touring car looking like triangle arms. The front end had uh, a cantilever suspension, uh, similar to what the current um car has from uh, David Orbell, but the difference being this had kind of the Tamiya style where the um, shocks come from like a little bit above, so it, they are a little bit angled towards um, the chassis, so they are a little bit over the gearbox and then they are angled down and the cantilever is kind of twisted um, uh, or, or at an angle instead of being at the very bottom of the chassis. And then for the rear end, instead of having the cantilever stuff, at back of the day, the when this Predator was made, you know, they used to run touring cars for four-wheel drive. This was the early 2000s. Um, so they used to have this rear engine layout on a lot of these cars, you know, similar to what a VJ4 was from Associated and Yokomo. I think all kind of cars had this type layout. So obviously back then they didn't have the room for the uh, shocks being put in the back and also saddle pack, uh, saddle pack batteries. So no um, shorties or whatever. So you have less room overall in the chassis. And that made them use the Agama style uh, layout for the rear shocks where you have the shocks on top of the gearbox um, used with these kind of non-cantilever arms that are attached straight to the arm. So. The main difference between these two solutions is actually the cantilever style reduces the, you know, 
unsprung mass because the shock isn't straight attached to the arm. Whereas this non-cantilever style, it doesn't decrease the unsprung mass in any way. It actually increases it because you attach more stuff to it. And in some sense, it can also, you know, increase because of the shock uh, orientation or angle. So that's why I feel the cantilever is overall a better system. Also, it gives you much more ways to adjust your suspension mm -hmm. uh, than the Agama style non-cantilever um, arm. But yeah, here's the predator for those who... This is the top cat, basically. So um, let me bring it, bring it back. Hang on. Uh, show the step instead. Okay, so basically from what I remember, this is also the one with the crash back system where the arms would sort of like like bend backwards. And uh, from what I understand from looking at the actual like press release for it, they didn't do this for performance. They did it for durability. So when you get into a, like a bad crash on the front, the shocks would be protected. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think like the UK scene has always been fascinated with this weird cantilever or, you know, um, extension arm shock designs uh, like the Agama now, Predator back in the day, Schumacher. And one car was the Tamiya. I can't remember now what it was called, but um, uh, Tamiya had this um, design that similar to if you look at, uh, if you're watching this on the YouTube, the Predator had on the front end. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. Completely over five minutes, but good stuff. No, um, but this is great. This is what the people want, Keenan. Yeah. Some more people. time equals more ads, Keenan. <laughs> Oh yeah, you can make uh, you can make the cash from this. You know oh, how yeah. many so, YouTube bucks you can ever get? Like maybe a few cents. <laughs> yeah, like four bucks, and then they take two. So yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, real quick, we'll we'll figure figure a little out. We'll wrap this up with a little bit of silly season. McBride over to Nova Rossi. We um. So he'll be probably running that this weekend at the Asian Buggy Championships in Nova. New Zealand. Nova, not Nova. Russia. Okay, Nova. He ran Nova. Okay, okay. So, yeah, yes, yeah. Nova. So, sorry. <laughs> yeah. He ran Nova Rossi from 2014 to 2018. This yeah. is the, these aren't the Nova Rossi's, but they are the Novas. They're, you yeah. know, they are the Nova Rossi, yeah. but they are the yeah. Novas. Yeah. Yeah. But McBride is like one of the most loyal Nova Rossi people because I think he was last to leave. Robert left Nova Rossi, I think, 2014 or something like that. Uh, he was one of the old Novorossi guys, but then McBride, he he made the A main in Australia in 2018 for the Worlds with the Novorossi, when nobody was like absolutely no one was running them. So I think it might be that he actually likes these engines that they suit him driving style or whatever, because he was eager to back get back on them now, and he definitely had issues with reds. He didn't seem to enjoy OS based engines that much, so it's. It will be interesting to see because the issue with Nova, Nova and the, in the old days, the Nova Rossi engines, is the fact that they have these random flame modes. For some reason, for Kyle McBride, no issue. But I'm seeing this same kind of thing happening in America now that happened to you know all the Nova Rossi guys back in the day, especially when it's a little cooler condition. They always sort of have these weird flameouts. Like you've been running 20 minutes, you land a jump, 
and the car is just flamed out. Because I know this because I have personal experience from this. But like you just run 20 minutes, it works as a charm. Suddenly it flames out, you fire it up again, you run like 20, 40 minutes, no issues. Just no reason to explain why it flamed out. But it has I to want to tell you what Drake told JQ, learn to toot. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So basically also, skill issue. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, Novorossi engines. I, I My P5, I love that thing. Oh, it's, they're... The mileage is great. They're pretty good to drive. They have a decent amount of power. No, I never had a problem with them. No. Yeah, but you're running hot conditions. You're fucking Caribbean. You can't. You That's can't true. say when it's cold like Finland. It's uh, supposed to be like, the coldest night tonight in DR. It's going to be like what is it? What is it? It's going to be like probably below 70, 65, 66. <laughs> oh yeah, I only have like let me check uh, minus sixteen. You live in Finland. Yeah, I was about to say we're in like the fifties, but damn, <laughs> like it's dropping to like <laughs> under seventy, dude. I don't think it goes over seventy Fahrenheit in Finland. All right, Kopovic and Champlin and Drake and Camp Anderson all to Hobby Wings. So Hobby Wings dishing out some big bucks and signing a bunch of drivers. Um, so that's cool to see. Uh, Camp Anderson obviously was the he's going to come up later in this podcast as we talk about restarts and uh, Kobovic and Champlain you also have any notes x-ray drivers all seem to be all moving to Elsa Ram and Schumacher drivers moving to Hobby Wing so there we go the next big battle Hobby Wing versus Elsa Ram yeah I think because there was this thing that um, you know Schumacher and LRP went hand in hand for a long time you know uh, it was uh, Orlowski. He ran LRP for the longest time. Then it was Kobevic who joined them. Then as Champlin joined Schumacher, he also joined LRP. But now with the addition to Orlowski to the uh, Hobbywing team last year, and then this year now uh, both uh, Kobevic and Champlin, it seems like the whole, you know, oh, and to say about X-Ray, Bayer and all of the guys uh, ran Hobby Wing. Bruno is still on Hobby Wing, so I'm not entirely sure if, if he's staying on, but at least the whole other part of the X-Ray team has moved over to Elseram. So I'm thinking kind of X-Ray and Hobby Wing had this um, like unannounced com- like combination deal, and now that that broke out, now kind of Schumacher is jumping in. And now mm. LRP, on the other hand, we... We talked about on the podcast, I think it was a month ago, about the uh, S-Works now collaborating with uh, with LRP. Uh, they mm-hmm. are making their combined brand. So I think it was kind of like, uh, what you call it, those um, music chairs, musical chairs. You know, everyone was like <laughs> going around. I think you can officially announce that Silly Season's over now. Like, it's not Silly Season no more. Stop. Yeah, I think I was thinking this because when I was making the notes and then there was this, silly season like headline and i was like can i delete this but i was like no there was some announcements so let's leave it for this week next week i'll take it off the notes okay good stuff i think that's all we you wanna oh did you mean that we should announce you as the official silly season winner like i thought you would have some sort of ceremony for me worked out we can have a ceremony for you tomorrow uh not tomorrow next week i think it will be I think you guys call it an intervention on cooking the books. No, it's I'll go out king. Yeah, go okay. Yeah, that's what they. That's what. Um, who was it? Lance Armstrong said too. Mm-hmm. 
King, King of Silly Season, right here. You're looking at him. Yeah. If you don't know the reference, Lance Armstrong. I know what I know. What I haven't. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, all right. So I think that's it for RC news and general RC geekery. Thank you, Max, and thank you, Roach, for uh, for encouraging his nonsense, his science mode. But it seems like you enjoyed it. What's um, your What's your about to say? Nonsense. I was about to say nonsense, but then it isn't nonsense because it is. it was somewhat interesting. The whole thing I picked out of there, the two things I picked out of that whole rant, Axel Plunge and Mark Reinhardt possibly driving this car. Yeah, I think, like, I don't see Axel that Plunge. actually. I don't I don't actually see Mark Reinhardt racing this at the Euros. Even that, like, uh, impossible. I do I see, gonna... I do see, like, this kind of release was a preface to that happening because i think we're going to change the safe to axle plunge um (laughs) no but you know that's bad like that's saying that's kind of like getting me excited you know i know i know well all right so roach we are going to go over have a chat with yuna and talk about eos we're going to come back and we're going to be involved in something that i think you'll like we're going to do our hot race hot potato and hot and cold section after that with roach as well but first let's go over and talk to yuna hotman uh, about his EOS and geeking out with Max about this. I want to say thank you to Techno RC for all the continued support with this as well, but also a big shout out to Sidewinder Fuel. Morgan Fuel has been co- collaborating with many of the world's top drivers for over 35 years, and this has enabled them to test our fuels in many of the most challenging situations and take the development of competition fuels to the next level. The result has is Sidewinder, the market's most powerful racing fuel. This fuel has been track tested by proven and national proven by national and world champions such as Ryan Cavallari, Ryan Mayfield, Greg Degani, Mark Pavitas, and now Little Bump's doing it, as well as Philip Atondo just signed over. Right? Uh, Greg Degani is all excited about that. These drivers appreciate that side, appreciated that Sidewinder is the blended perfectly for high-performance needs of competitive racing. Don't let victory slip through your fingers. Purchase Sidewinder today. And um, thank you to Techno RC for all their continued support. And um, yeah. Thank you to Techno RC. Techno Takeover. Techno RC. Techno RC is a championship winning manufacturer of high performance A scale, TED scale, nitro, and electric RC buggies and trucks. With a worldwide dealer network, USA and Europe based headquarters, comprehensive warranty program, and global race support, Techno RC is excellence in RC. View the full lineup of Techno RC race proven vehicles by visiting www.technorc.com. Joining us is a special guest who started off our recap on EOS on this past weekend. He also finished second, I believe. Third. I second don't, I don't know. Second in two wheel. Second in two wheel. Four. Uh, and then in four wheel drive, where'd you finish? Four wheel drive? Mm-hmm. Uh, I finished fourth. Okay. So when I started, a top five. So joining us is I don't know how he's younger than you, Max. But uh, Max is always talking about him. Uh, if you if you've been following ten scale racing for for some time, you know who he is because he's been racing for quite some time. He's been very fast for a long time. He's still a young man, but he's been racing for a long time. Uh, Max's favorite finished driver, Yuna Hotman. What's up, Yuna? How are you? I'm good. Just co- recovering from the US. Yeah, test, it was actually. it was a big race. Last time I saw you was at 2022 Florida Carpet Championships, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So good to see you. Um, so 
a little background on you. You've been racing since you was a very young man. You saw a lot of success early out in 10 scale racing. I know you've been racing before associated for quite a long time. Um, it, you guys have heard Max talk about you not quite a lot on the podcast, him and Pecco. So this is him. If you, if you follow 10 scale, you know who this young man is. Uh, Pe- uh, how old are you now? You know, I'm 20. Turning okay, 21. So you're 20. Um, you did take a year off of racing because you had to go to your mandatory army service for Finland. So you're back racing now. I know you wasn't able to make the world champion. You didn't go to the world championships last year, right? No, no, no. Right. So you, you kind of just took all of 2023 off. You're back racing. You just went to EOS. You had a very good EOS. That's why we're also having you on her because it was a very great uh, dawn race. And uh, thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Thanks you guys. All right. Thanks you. All right, Max. We'll start with you. I, I guess he's like your almost like your protege. I don't know if it's your protege, but it is you, Not him, really, and Paco. No. Like the three musketeers. <laughs> kind of. I think um Jona is kind of one of those guys in Finland who has been good for like so long. So and he's actually like I don't think he's ever raced for any other brand than AE. So he's kind of the a you know golden boy <laughs> if you could say so but yeah i think like if i'd say first kind of like star performance was at the euros uh in 2013 and mm-hmm. that was when you made the euros a main for the first time oh 2014 maybe 14 yeah, yeah 2014 yeah. 14. yeah in sweden he made the so euros, he was like 10 it, yeah <laughs> i was 10 <laughs> yeah wow. Yeah, and then, you know, there on out, I think he's been, I'd say, like, consistently in the top 10 of Europe and at times, like, top three of Europe. Like, for example, TQ Euros 2017, I think that's one of your best accomplishments. And I don't even know how many Finnish championships you have at this point. You know, he's, he's, I think, I think you have up to 15 or 20 Finnish championships. Yeah, that, that's what I think, but not sure yeah. how, how, how yeah. many. And and the thing is, like, people probably don't know this, but Jona is like, uh, in Finland, on summertime, we race mostly eight-scale. So he's like, I'd say easily the fastest eight-scale driver in Finland. Obviously, at Euros, he's not always had, you know, as good uh, success in eight-scale as he's had in 10-scale. But I think, you know... He has the potential, you know, uh, to be good in eight scale as well. Did he not make the finals at the 2022? Semis. I think Semis. you got to stop and go. Like, yeah, that was yeah. the incident with uh, Pariente, I think, if I remember correctly. Yep. All right, because yeah. that's good, because we, we might as well just start this off with a stop and go. We'll talk about your stop and go. Um, all right. Yeah. So... If you guys don't know, we had probably the biggest, I think this is the biggest EOS they've had. It was the EOS Dawn. Tell us a little bit about it, Max. Um, for those that may not follow the EOS, it's the Electric Off-Road Series, I believe. It was going on yeah. for a long time. It's uh, it's a, it's the brainchild of Reinhardt and Scotty Ernst, I believe. They're, all, they're the partners in doing this, sir. Yeah. Yeah, so EOS, um, I think it's probably the only big series in Europe we have for 10-scale off-road. On carpet, it's been from the start, and uh, yeah, Yuna has been probably the best, uh, best drivers at the US for long. I don't know if you won the championship, uh, you but you won some events, right? I've won one, uh, two wheel ones, yeah, in Germany, and then some truck. 
Only once yeah. I have won the US. Yeah. Okay. But multiple podiums and and so on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Max, you're sitting there like a proud father, like a proud big brother, just <laughs> smiling. No, I think because he hasn't been on the podcast, and I think he's like, you know, I think, yeah, you made Amen at the Worlds in 2019, uh, Amen at Euros multiple times. So it's kind of like you know one of the fastest drivers that we haven't had on the podcast yet. So. So we have yeah. to we have to give his accolades so people know who he is. Like he's just not some, you know, in Finland racer like you like yeah, to say. Yeah, he's actually got some accolades. He's done very. You went to Reedy Race too as well, right? Um, yeah. You know, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I, well, did. I did a couple times. Good stuff. Well, it's good to have you on her. But we're going to talk about EOS Dawn, which you did very well this past weekend. Uh, it was a great turnout. I think it was the biggest. They had a whole bunch of entries there. Uh, we had. Joe Bornhorst and the Kaufmans making a trip over from the USA, which I thought was absolutely great to see the Americans coming over and racing. We did see top drivers like Ranafal, Ongaro also racing. The Killex were there with the new Mugens. Obviously, you're the associated guy. First real big showing for the B7 out there on at this weekend. So tell us a little bit about it. I know our friend Powell, he did the uh, the track build as well. I think he's doing all the EOS track builds. You've probably been to Dawn quite a few times. Tell us, uh, give us your first impressions on the carpet, the, the, the track and everything as you, you went into this race last week. So, yeah, it was the first time we were starting on Thursday. So we went on the, on the track on the Wednesday. So we saw the track, it, it looked nice. Like the Pavel and those guys have done a great job with the tracks. So, yeah, I was looking forward to the track and just drive with the new car. Okay. Now, have you, you have, you're at the track now, so you have a carpet track there in the background. Have you had a lot of testing on your new car with the B7 and whatnot? When did you get it? I should ask. Uh, I got it maybe two weeks before okay. the race. And the track we have, it, it has old carpet, so nothing to compare it to EOS. So I okay. was happy I, I was able to make the trip to Switzerland before the race and just test the car first time. Where did you go in Switzerland to test the car? I don't know. It was RC Arena called mm-hmm. the track, and all the others were there. Also, like Becko was there, Orlowski, Kopovic. So it was good, good, good practice before. Okay, all right, good stuff, good stuff. Um, I, I guess also being as you've been to the Florida Carpet Championships, and I know a lot of the Europeans were talking about how different the carpet is. Uh, why don't you give for our American listeners give a little bit of comparison to the EOS carpet versus like the CRC carpet that you raced on in uh, Florida? Uh, so I don't know about the grip level. It feels kind of same, but of course we are running uh, different tires. So I have seen uh, Michal running Schumacher tires in the USA States. He said it doesn't have as, as much grip as JC. So it's hard to compare between the track and carpet. But I feel like the track, like, like grip level is close. Different type of tracks, though. And I mean, in Florida, we had lots of big jumps and, you know, it's more American style jumps and whatnot. Not so many big jumps here at dawn, but a very fast track, nonetheless. Um, uh, it looked very good. Uh, tell us, you, as you get into Thursday, Wednesday practice, going into Thursday qualifying. Uh, Max, can you let's let's go. You have all the stats. You, you start asking some questions here too, Max, because I know you want to yeah. talk to your third, your second, your first musketeer here. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, a good thing, because I know, like, uh, I think the last time you was really fighting for podiums and stuff has been a while, I think. 
I'd say the 2022 season. So because last winter you didn't really race EOS and then COVID kind of screwed up a lot of with your plans. And then the first round of EOS, I mean, you made six in full drive, but in dual drive you was in the V. So like, how was it in the beginning? Do you like, uh, did you feel competitive straight out the gate or was it still a learning curve? I mean, I was feeling like confident about the race because I knew I had good like practices before the race. And of course it was like, I was kind of nervous because I, I, I needed, I need to do good this race and show people like I'm, I still have it. So of course I was kind of nervous on the first laps on the track, but it worked out good. Yeah, I think you had, um, uh, I can't remember exactly, but you had not as good first quality or second quality, but then you had uh, top fives, which put you, I think, fourth on the grid in the end. Uh, third. Or second, uh, third, yeah. Yeah. So at that point, did you think you had any chance to fight with Michal? Because he was looking really dominant. Uh, did you think like two second was probably the most? Uh, how was it? Because it seemed from looking outside in it that Pihal was really dominant. Yeah, true. He he drove good, like all the qualifyings, he he good all of them. But yeah, for me in the qualifiers I screwed up both like a uh, Q one and Q two. Then of course I got nervous again, but then the three and four felt good, drove good. I think I got second and third maybe on the rounds. So I was lining up lining up third behind Saluski. I knew I had the speed because, and like since the practice, I was doing same lap times as Michal, so I was feeling confident. But then I knew there is like one guy in between us, so I was still feeling confident for the mains. I knew I had the speed for the win. Also, yeah. I would say in this last year that you've been off, there's been a lot of new guys coming up that have been faster as well, like yeah. Zaluski. Um, we saw a lot of young guys that were really fast in this race. Carap, even though he won a world uh, championships in twenty twenty two, was it uh, European championships? I think it was twenty two. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah went forward drive in twenty twenty. You know, and then of course you have veterans like Ongaro. Well, I would say Ongaro is kind of new to this ten scale carpet stuff, but still a world champion in both classes racing. Rana Falk making who didn't have the best weekends, but we'll talk about that a little later. But uh, these two, you know, top champions also making a push into. Uh, EOS racing and all that stuff. So it's, it was stacked with a lot of competition this this weekend, this past weekend. Um, how do you feel about these new guys? I mean, young. I mean, I, I, you're young as well, but you are a veteran in this in this in this class because you've been doing it since you've been ten. But you got these young guys like Zulowski, Zulewski, Zulewski, Am I saying his name right? Zulewski. Okay, him. Yeah. The guy Landon. Of course, you had um, Karap, who's already a, a European champion. He's Showing great speed, so I guess it is I, all that happening over the last year. I, w- I would be a little nervous as well. Uh, who was besides Mikal, who's been super, super just dominant lately? Who was you really worried about? Like, who was your biggest threat? You thought, you think? I knew Mikhail, of course, Orlowski, and then Karup is always fast these days. So I think it was like between us three at least, and then. There's always like Saluski has done good in Dawn. I remember last time I was there, I was fighting with him in the fall for second place. So I knew that there were like 10, 10 drivers who can win the race. But then, of course, I was most afraid of Orlowski and Karup. Mm. Yeah. 
I, I would I would say there's a there's a two guys you should be worried about because uh, they're fast, right? All right. Yep. Um. So you go into Q. How do you feel going into qualifying in two wheel drive? Also for for us our our American friends who are watching this, this is run where they do two wheel drive. I think it's what two days of two wheel drive qualifying and then finals, and then they switch over and they do four wheel drive. Uh, after that, do they do they don't they don't make a track change between two wheel drive and four wheel drive? Do they? No. No, okay, they so they kept the same track, but they just like separate classes, separate days for separate classes, yeah. not combined. Um, going into two wheel drive qualifying, uh, where did you end up qualifying? You got the you got the ranking list. Third. Let me bring it up, Max. Yeah, he, John was third. We already okay. went through that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I I forget things, man. I'm busy yeah. trying to find things. So you think... third third going into two wheel drive on your finals. How did you feel going into a one? Did you feel you had something for Mikhail? Yeah, I felt like uh, if I just get in front of Saluski, then I can like push more, and then maybe go for the win. But then mm-hmm. I, of course, knew like Saluski has been always like confident and he dropped good in qualifying, and there was no like like section on the track to pass other car drivers. So yeah. it, I felt like you just need to wait for others to make mistake. And, yeah, yeah so well, I, 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 I watched this. Uh, this morning, and the first thing I said is I think you got robbed. So we're gonna watch it in. This is a one of the two wheel drive modified class. Here, this is. Uh, let me see. Let me get the actual. This is the e- the official EOS video. So here's this little incident between you and Zalowski, where I think you got the the shit end of the stick on this one, to be honest. So let's uh let's play this one. Let's get you guys on here. Let's get about a view. There we go. So. And you guys already, if you guys are listening to this on the on the audio only, you could go over to YouTube to the EOS, the official EOS, and check it out. We'll, we'll watch it in real speed first, and then we'll rewind it. So, race is on the way. Arlowski has not pulled away immensely from you guys. Like, there's uh, Arlowski in that all white car, you're right behind him. Like, you have the pace right there. So, all right, here it is. There's Pause. Let's go back. You was definitely on pace to do to you had to chase him down. And yep. I think in this section, man. I do. So let's slow it down. Let's go. We're gonna go very slow. Talk me through it. As you're coming. Okay, we gotta go forward a little bit. Let's go five seconds. All right, you are right behind Zalowski right here. If you could have got yeah. across him right here, I think you would have had a chance to chase down Zalowski. That's what I felt. Yeah. So, yeah, it's coming up in the... Yeah, let's fast forward it a little bit. So there's Zalowski yeah. going over that double. I'm sorry, there's Zalowski, there's Zalowski. You're right behind him. Zalowski goes very wide right here. Oh, I don't know. I think that's a robbery. Let's see that again. You had the inside. So he goes wide. You cut on the inside. You have the line going on the inside. You're squaring up. You're squaring up to accept, like, and he just cuts back into you. He hits you, to be honest. Yeah, just for the listeners, (laughs) before we started recording, 
Keenan was watching this mates and he got absolutely, you know, mad about this because <laughs> he was watching this like, Yona got robbed, Yona got robbed. Because he did because after after this, uh, Scotty um, told yes. Yona to uh, wait and let uh, Zalewski back by, which obviously the gap to Michal was at this point way too big after he waited, but there was no no chance anymore. But so, yeah. what was you thinking when he said give it back? Did you think it was going to happen? Uh, I almost knew, but. It, like I had the feeling, I'm just gonna go and wait if if Cody asked me to give the position back, because I felt like I I saw he was going wide and I wasn't even going for the like the pass, but then he just turned back in, so I I felt it was racing incident. But I know everybody was watching, so I think it was okay. I think call it was a little bit of pressure. End. Yeah, so of course I would have been angry if I was in the Saluski's position. So I, I would have not know what to do. Yeah, I would say that it was a racing incident as well. Uh, as Juan Carlos Canas says, 50-50. So I, I do think you got robbed. But I, I think at the end of the day, you have to kind of do what the, the race director says. Yeah, yeah. So it is what it is. Unfortunate for you because I think we got robbed. I think... We we got robbed of what could have been a, a very good A one battle between Mikhail Orlowski. I think Zalowski could have tagged on to you too at some point and got up there and you guys could have actually took it to uh to Orlowski. But he kinda got away clean and after that it was no real incident. You did go yeah. on to win A three though, when he already he re- so Orlowski won this in A A one and A two. I did watch your interview. You, you, you know, you definitely Kimmy, Kimmy Raikkonen, very little emotion at all whatsoever. <laughs> um, very finished. But yeah, tell us a little bit about A2 and A3 and how you felt. Would you, did you go under for like angry? I would have been angry. I wasn't angry. I all just felt like it. I know if Michal wins the A, A2, so it's like done for me. I'm going only for like second. So I knew. T- just I felt like I was going same as in the A1, waiting for Saluski to make a mistake and then push from there. Because actually I spoke uh, after, I think, A1 to Orlowski. Mm-hmm. And then he said, like, he's kind of happy that there is, like, one driver between us. So he can drive <laughs> and relax because he knows he's a good friend of his. He's, gonna, he's not going to do anything crazy behind him. So right. I was just waiting, waiting for a mistake and then go from there. It not never happened. Only in like last minute, like in A two, uh, I think I was second in the, that one. I drove like whole three minutes behind Saluski, and then on the I think last lap he made a mistake and I got by. So yeah, and then yeah. like after after A two, Michal won of course. Then I knew like in A three I need to win to be second at least. So I, we had a good race. I was on I think third run on with the tires. And Saluski was on second run. It makes huge difference if you have like new tires, second run or third. So I knew like I have, I might lack a bit of speed compared to Saluski in the A3. But again, like I tried to push him, push him. And then we had a little gap at the end. But then he made a mistake of coming onto straight away. And I got by. And I felt that was kind of it. And I won the A3. Okay. So tires, you, these are, these all hand out tires and you get limited tires, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you 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 get two sets, and then if you make the A main, you get the, like third set for the mains. Yeah. So for A three, you're kind of at least one point of the race, you have to run 
uh, a third run with the set. So yeah. I think Zalewski choose to run third run in either A1 or A2 and save the good set for the last one. And I, I, I think I think he ran because at least Mihal drove with two sets in the qualifying. So he did, I think, like three runs and one new. So then he had okay, like yeah. one run for the main and then new. So I think Zalewski did the same. Yeah, but I couldn't. I couldn't do it because I needed two good runs in the Q4 and Q3. So I was a bit like more used tires compared to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you because you're here. Oh, go ahead, Max. Sorry. No, I was going to say that it ended up well though, even though you have yeah, kind of yeah. was on the back foot with the tire situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back when back when I raced, it wasn't because I used to go to ES uh, a lot more. I never made the A main though, like Yona did. But um, I think back then the tire situation wasn't as big of an issue. Uh, the speed with the tires wasn't. But I think when the grip is that, um, no, sorry, when the speed is that high, uh, it's like a high speed track. I think it makes a much more difference because you need to drive out of the corners and so on. What what were the, the spec tires anyway? Uh, cactus. Uh, yeah, cactus. Yeah. Okay. And then we had the cutbacker in the front. Thoughts yeah. on uh, Ongaro and Ranafalk not making the main? I was surprised to, on both. But I, yeah. I I think I heard David made some mistake with the tires also. So I think he messed up with one set of the tires. So he needed to use only two sets. Mm. So I think he messed up something in the qualifying. So he had one one set less than uh, than the others. Okay. How about um, the Americans? Where did Bornhorst end up on this anyway? And uh, I, think, I think both was in the C main. Okay. At least Joe. At least Joe was in C. Yeah. All right. Now did Mika Mika made the did he make both finals or the full drive? Yeah. 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 Yeah, well done to Mika. The so S Works driver making the um probably one of the oldest guys in this lineup, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I this was actually crazy. In two wheel drive, uh Whitmire was the oldest driver in the A main. I think the average age in the a main and tool drive was like 20 or something so i think that's pretty crazy <laughs> yeah good job to uh borak on making that with the new mugen car as well making the main and uh ended up where did he end up uh sixth of all um mm. any surprises for you in the finals yuna that you didn't expect mm. to be there no actually because i felt like top 10 was Almost the same every round of qualifying. Mm-hmm. So maybe if I need to be surprised, I would be surprised of uh, Gillick with the okay. new car and no practice with it before. But yeah. yeah. Thoughts on the new car? Watching it out there? Did you get a chance uh, to watch it? I didn't watch it. it. No, okay. no, no, no. Yeah, you guys are only, like a, on, on like, yeah, only like a couple laps in the qualifying. It, it, I guess it felt good, looked pretty good. So he was able to pull out the A main. What, no, what about your car? You have the B7, so... Yeah, uh, tell us about that. You, yeah, did you have, like, uh, with the team, did you guys share setup? Was you... Like, did you know what you was going to run? Or did you try out new things? So did you guys run the same setup? How did it go? Uh, actually, I think we had pretty, like, different setups comparing to each other. Because I uh, I started to set up what, what I came from uh, Switzerland. But it again, like they had all their carpet in Switzerland, so 
it's different. I had no shooting before, like we needed to do some small changes for the car. But I felt like at the end, everybody was going the same direction, get more shooting out of the car. What type yeah. of changes were you making to get what you wanted? No, no, because we have the new car, so we have the uh, KPI we mm -hmm. can change in the front. So I, I was running three in uh, Switzerland. It felt like it gave more like more linear steering overall on this like when you turn the car, but then like with the one, it gives more steering out of the corner. So I think that was the biggest difference I I made for the car to get more steering out of it. Yeah. So we played a lot with the front end of the car. Yeah. Okay. How do you feel with the B7? Like, what do you feel are the main differences? Because obviously, you know, I think you ran the B6 for pretty, which is pretty much being the same geometry, or yeah. I think probably close to six, seven years now. And now you changed to a quite drastically different car. How did you feel? Yeah. Like, was it a very new feeling or was it the same, but only slight difference on the track? Or I felt I felt like it had like completely different feeling on the car, like the steering. First first runs on in Switzerland, I felt like I can go so close to the pipe, and then the like normally with with my old car P6, I was always like fighting for linear steering throughout the corner, but with this car it felt the same, so it was much easier to drive through the corners. But of course, for me, I was lacking steering as always with the car. But I think it's the front tire of the car makes the difference because because we're running the sacker in front. Yeah. But but the biggest difference in the car, I felt the steering much more linear than before. Yeah. Uh, do you? Th yeah, I think KPI is probably the biggest change. But do you think? Do you think it's just the KPI, or do you think it's also the long arms and and so on? What do you think about that? I think it's the long arms and like you yeah. can see it on the track because like I was talking in Switzerland, the guy who was with me there, he was watching my car and he said like it, it looks so slow through the corners because it's not rolling as much. It, it, it's not doing anything like just drives around the corner. So it feels slow to drive, but actually it's like fast. So yeah. that was, I was surprised because I was doing lap times, lap time watching like Michal going through the track in Switzerland. Then I went off to the track. I was doing the same last times. So I was surprised how fast yeah. the car can be. And it still feels like there's more in the car. Yeah. It just needs more oh, time. Sure. Still first race uh, with the new car. Yeah, but Is this that is what you're doing right now? Testing out there, testing right now in the yeah. track? Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, cool, man. Well, congratulations. It was a great two-wheel drive for you. Let's move on to how do you now? Let's move on to four-wheel drive. So do they start qualifying for four-wheel drive on Saturday? Or is it is it Thursday and Saturday, Friday and then yeah. Saturday and Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mains okay. of two-wheel drive were on Saturday, and then they go one route of practice of four-wheel drive, I think, mm -hmm. and then the qualifying, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, we had three qualifying in Saturday and then one in Sunday, then the finals. All right. So how do you switch gears and and get from go from two-wheel drive where you had a very good run, probably could have been better? Uh, and now yeah. you're switching gears and get to four-wheel drive. You qualify fourth overall, going into A1s and whatnot. Uh, tell us what's going through your mind and, and how your car was compared to your two-wheel drive car. I mean, I was happy after the two-wheel, so I knew like I I can do do it in the four-wheel also. So first practice, it was control practice, seating for the qualifying. 
car belt, of course, now with four wheel, when you drive on carpet, and then we have the pin tire in the front. So it's much more like steering, aggressive. So I felt like small changes, like we went for stiffer shocks in the front to just kill the front to get less steering. So I think that was like only thing we're trying to do to get less steering into the car to make it easier for qualifying. So I was confident before qualifying. I knew the car had the speed. I think I see this fourth after practice. So I knew I knew I knew I had the speed for the four wheel also. Yeah. How was qualifying for four wheel? Because I think you were you was I think from the get go in four wheel you was much more consistent. I think you got pretty much only top fives if I, I remember correctly. I think you had yeah. a yeah, you had a seventh and a fifth. And a second and a second, yeah, two seconds. And a, yeah, I think because I feel like there's a, a little backstory from Jana because at the beginning of uh, when he started driving, he never drove four wheel drive. So from like I think 2010 when he started, around 2010 when he started driving, he was fast in Finland in two wheel drive, and he only raced four wheel drive at the very few events. So for example, like the Euros and, and such. So. But I think since you have been really strong in full drive at the, in the recent few years. So how do you feel now? Um, like, do you feel both are equally strong or do you have like some sort of, because some drivers, for example, I think David knows he's much better in full drive, uh, run coming from eight school. Do you have like a preference or you, do you feel like if you're feeling the track, you're good to go? I think I'm, if, if I'm feeling the track, I'm good to go with both. Of course, like, I don't practice for because the tracks in back home are pretty small compared to EOS tracks. So it it just, it just makes more sense to drive two-wheel. Yeah. But normally, I've always felt like couple last couple of years and like in uh, Han Munden, I'm much better in qualifying with the four-wheel. I don't know, is it because I learned the track? But always, I feel like I'm much stronger in qualifying in four wheel than two. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, one thing is that you have this age-old Finnish uh, racing driver thing where the car can never steer too much. <laughs> like uh, I think you're one of those who always wants so much steering. Uh, so I think maybe that could be one thing. But I think, for example, I feel Kara is one of those drivers who most of the times it's much, much faster in full drive. I think this race we saw it where he didn't even make the A-main yeah. in two drive, but in full drive, he was really, really good and ended up winning. So I think, yeah, some drivers have that, but I feel, yeah, maybe you, uh, I think the ultimate speed in two drive, you have better, but recent results, yeah. you've been maybe better in full drive. Yeah. I think it's just because of, for me, like I, if you, your tool don't, like steer enough you need to push the car so much so it like you can you make easier mistakes but then with the four wheel on carpet it has so much steering so you can drive like easier around the track and still be fast so i think that's the difference in qualifying you need you don't need to push with the four wheel as much so yeah that might be a difference and you make much easier and uh, without mistakes in the qualifying how do you feel in America? A lot of races run them at the same time. You've been to uh, plenty of races in America before, so you run both classes at the same time. Do you feel that makes a difference for you? 
I'm not sure does it make difference, but for me it's better to drive two wheel first than four wheel or other way around. So you don't mix them. Yeah. I think because like if you need to change your car like two wheel, you need to change something, then you drive and you go back to two wheel. So it might feel different because of the four wheel. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I felt it's a very, you know, big difference we have in Europe where we always separate the two and in America. And I think for a lot of European races coming over to America, I think, or vice versa, I think it's a very big change. Um, also with, you know, eight scale, we only race nitro at event in America, you race three, mm-hmm. four classes. So I think it's a very big difference, but I think, I think for the like fastest drivers, I don't think it's that big of a difference, but for sure, like you said, I think tuning is going to be more difficult because you don't really remember the car because you're always switching between cars. Okay. Max, you have a three of, of four wheel drive in our notes. I want to bring it up. Is it any specific? Are we looking? Cause this isn't a good a three for you. You know, you kind of had a crash there, had to come in together. Um, yeah, I can, yeah, I, I can like a preface basically because for four wheel drive, I think the, Going into A3, it was kind of all open. Uh, Orlowski had a one and a four. Kerop had a one and an eight. And uh, Joanna had a um, two and a five. Zaleski two and a three. So like the whole field was really split open. And we was discussing with Joanna over WhatsApp before A3. And like he said, he would be really confident to win. So, and obviously his speed was really good. So we was kind of all rooting for him and and yeah in the beginning you got really unlucky i think because yeah. it seemed like he was much faster than Zalewski at the start you got right behind him and then you could have got, went on to challenge uh, michael and uh, marcus uh, what did you think i i felt like yeah i i just got like again bad like collision with olowski and it it wasn't his mistake of course like it just was bad luck for me, but I felt yeah. like I had a good chance at least for the podium. Speed yeah, and, I think... and then I had like second on the A two, so I still had a chance to win. Yeah, that's where the incident happened. So yeah. basically, go back. Um, go back a little bit. Um, Let's slow it down. Yeah, it, yeah, it's on the left hand side of the track, so. Yeah, I, I think you can see what's happening. Only see my car. Yeah, the truck. you can see. You need to go a little bit uh, further ahead. Further ahead. Uh, yeah, a little bit more. It's on the left hand side. Jump. I think this is good. Yeah. So yeah, Orlowski is in second. Yeah, Orlowski is in second, and he makes a mistake and doesn't jump the jump, as you can see on the right hand side. Yeah. And then as uh, you can't see now when they hit, but he comes back out and then you and I flies uh, off the track. So I think I think at that point I was watching, I was like uh, yelling at the screen because I could see that you was like right behind Zalewski. And yeah. I, I felt that that was a moment where you could have gotten by Orlowski, which have really helped you because Orlowski was probably, yeah. I'd say fastest driver around the track, but I think he made more mistakes than Karab at the end, yeah. you know. So, but I think it would have been really, really great to have a four-way battle for the win because right until last lap, uh, Karup and Zalewski and Orlowski was right behind each other. So I think yeah. you would have easily stayed up with that group. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I just I got think, unlucky with the accident yeah. over there. Yeah. Because I, when I watched this, I kind of was thinking to myself that I kind of think you had a maybe even a better shot at the win in four drive because the field was much more spread out. Obviously, you got the short end of the stick, so I think yeah. um, that kind of uh, what why you was in fourth. But I think you know I I was like pumped about this performance because. I think, yeah, last time I think you made a big uh, A-main was like in 2022. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like super close in qualifying because I can't remember yeah. when I have starting, I have started fourth with two and two on the rounds. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So it, it was close. And now like from Tool, I knew I need to be higher on the crit. So I knew while I was starting fourth, it would be much harder than in Tool. At least to yeah. make him try for the win. Yeah. So okay, I have so a question for you. Oh, go ahead, Max. I'll ask. No, this no, go ahead. Me. Go ahead. Uh, I wanted go to. Ahead. So I wanted to get your thoughts on. So people are very excited about all these young guys doing well. Uh, are we seeing a changing of the guard here? Do you think, uh, Yona? Are we seeing these young guys who aren't scared to step up and challenge some of these bigger names, or was it more that? Maybe like our Rana Falcon Garo just had off days. What do you think? I don't know. Uh, I mean, Marcus has had a big step mm-hmm. in like last couple of years, so I know he's going for like all the big names from from here and now on. So I think, yeah, we'll see about think- like we. I think he has pretty good team now. We have young guys, like if I can say I'm young guy, and then we have Marcus London holes we have so i think we have a good team and yeah i think we we can fight for like wins soon sooner or later yeah all right so i wanted to i i just i forgot that this incident happened so here's the incident i think this is between carop and well, i don't know who this is but you you guys will know sorry um yeah, and i think this is where um carop kind of uh, touches the pipe on the inside mm-hmm. Uh, gets wide, a kind of similar incident. It is the exact same incident. It is the exact same incident. And I think think what was craziest about this, if you listen to Scotty, uh, I I can't believe I forgot about this, but now it's kind of clicking in my head. Scotty says to Zalewski, go, 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 here. So Scotty says that, uh, because Zalewski waited, so he just stood there and waited. But Scotty was saying, go, go, go. So he wasn't, he he thought it was all fair because Gareth made a mistake. But I think this is pretty much an identical situation to you. So, yeah, all the difference is that Saluski didn't hit the pipe on tour, but went yeah. wide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think the incident itself is the same. But yeah, I think yeah. I think this is like this makes me a little bit more mad for the tool drive. But yeah, I think overall, though, I think you know. At the end of the day, you know, sometimes you get the short end of sticks, sometimes mm-hmm. you get lucky. That's uh, that's how it goes. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't get them all right either. So this is no, yeah. no. I'm not griping about. It. I'm just saying there's very similar incidents, exact, almost exact incidents, uh, how it happened and uh, two different calls at the end of the day. But that's how racing yeah. goes sometimes, you know. All right. Um, so, Yana, what's next for you, Max? We're going to go geek out a little bit more about Dawn after this and get some thoughts on this. We're going to let you know, get back to practicing. What's next for you, Yana? Full-time RC right now? 
Uh, no, full time. Um, still working back home. Mm-hmm. But I like this year. I'm trying to do more racing. Like mm-hmm. next plan is to do the MKGP in the UK. Ooh, that's so. Man, March. So, yeah, yeah. That's a good so race. That's, that's, that's a great race. Yeah, next big race. I've never be, never been there before. Everybody's saying it's a good race. So mm-hmm. yeah, and now the Euros will be on US carpet this year. So. Okay. I'm Where are the Euros this year? A, uh, in Sweden. Sweden. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That um yeah. the watch record the the Powelsons are putting on that race. That should be interesting. Yeah. Uh all right. How about eight scale? Are we gonna see you doing some more eight scale racing this year at all? Oh we'll see. Maybe the Euros in uh, WS track. Okay. You should come to the you should come to the worlds and represent Finland. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I all think right. I, I'm just going to aim for the euros and then practice for them so eight scale is just like next like there's plus two like so i'm gonna drive nitro maybe in finland but goal is to be on the highest position in the euros then scale any america trips ahead of you we'll see i i hope i can do the florida race again this mm-hmm. year so we'll see hopefully All right. What? Oh, so we didn't talk about your counterpart. What? 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 What happened to Peko this weekend? <laughs> no idea. I, I don't know. I don't was it good... okay for him? Yeah, I don't know what happened because he was practicing in Switzerland also with mm-hmm. us. So at least he had a practice before. I guess the cars wasn't that good this time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It was weird to see. He was like, I think he was. He had a shot for the A main in tool and just couldn't make only like one one good run in the qualifying and then just fall fall much worse. I don't know what happened in the fall. This wasn't his yeah. weekend. We had this kind of um you know Finnish internal thing that uh the ferret. Uh yeah. the ferret. I didn't want no. <laughs> I didn't we I didn't want this... to bring it up so you, you can. Yeah, yeah. So we have this um, this guy who is called the Ferret uh, in Finland, and you know he's a he's a reasonably fast guy in Finland, and he you know he can put on a fight to Jono and Pekka once in a while. But you know at the EOS, it's always you know when it's a big race, the faster drivers usually shine a bit more. But this time around, um, against all the odds, uh, the Ferret beat Pekka. Yeah, so we've been giving a little bit of shit uh, to him because you know, um, I think that's the bare minimum. Obviously, Ferret is over the moon about this. Um, uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think Pekko will come back stronger again. Yeah, it will. in the next. Do you know if he's going to MKGP or any of no, the races you're going no. to? Okay, I'm not sure what he's here doing, but at least not the MKGP. Is he going yeah. to Montpellier this weekend? No. I don't think so, no. Okay. All right. So I said we're going to bestow a big honor on you, Yuna. And I was thinking about this. And we are going to make you an official NNRC driver. That's what we're going to do. You know? You go out there, you do well at EOS. Max talks about you all the time. You come (laughs) on the podcast. So, you know, we now knight you, Sir Yuna. Hotman of the NNRC 10 scale driver. Top 10 scale driver, by the way. Top 10 scale driver. Oh, yeah. 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 So um, thank you uh, for your time. Congratulations on having a good EOS. Uh, I think at 
cards fell a little bit different, you probably were the racer to contend yep. against Orlowski in two-wheel drive and definitely uh, against Carap in four-wheel drive. Uh, we look forward to some more exciting racing between you and these young, fast racers coming up in Europe. And you're still a young driver as well. And hopefully we'll get you back on her sometime as well. Yeah, Definitely. Hopefully. I think after the MKGP will be a good time. to. Yeah. I'll be yeah. traveling. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. But thank you for your time. Enjoy practicing. And, um, you know, Max is just there smiling like a proud big brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's good because, you know, Yona has been... I'd say easily a top five, uh, you know, young driver in Europe for 10 years already, mm -hmm. you know? So I think, you know, he's now at the age where a lot of these drivers, you know, make it or break it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think Jona has, at least from my, you know, when talking to him and like hanging out with him at races, after the army, I think he's put on like a new gear trying to, trying to make it a career if he he's able to you know and he's also working i think full time right yeah 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 so i think Where you now it's kind of huh? no no oh, okay you have like a real I, real I, job i think yeah. he, you're an electrician right yeah. yeah okay that's right yeah so yeah i think it's good uh this year will be interesting to follow your progress because i think if someone is talented, you are from Finland. I think that's like the promise you've always had. But I think this could be interesting because from a Finnish perspective, but also from like the whole RC perspective, because, you know, there ain't many pro drivers from the Nordic countries, but there's lots of fast young drivers. So kind of break uh, around that, uh, you know, wall will be interesting to follow how it will happen. Because I think, you know, before COVID, you had a chance to make it. But then obviously yeah. COVID kind of fucked everything up for you. So yeah. that's why I think this year will be for anyone who is like fan of the show. I think Yona will be a driver to follow in 10 scale, but obviously in, in eight scale as well, I think. Also big kudos to you, like been with AE for so long, you know, and not jumped yeah. around when it's easy, but I'm sure in Europe with carpet racing and as good as you are, it's easy to jump between some of those top brands like X-Ray and Schumacher that are, you know, fighting over there. So good job on that too. Share some loyalty loyalty to your brand. So congratulations on that as well. How how long have you been with uh, AE? When did you start driving? Since the beginning. My first was first car was RC10. So I have never had yeah. any car, only AE. Yeah. Good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. All right, man. Well, thank you for your time. We're gonna let you get practicing and um, good job this past weekend, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thanks for being able to be here. Yeah, man. Of yeah, course, man. yeah. All righty then. So thank you, Yono, for your time. Get some practice in. So let's finish out our geeking out on the EOS. It's a huge race, Max. Huge race. Lots of top oh, guys yeah. there. Um, we talked about the B7 with him. Let's talk about the Mugen MSB1 in its first European official Debut with Burak Kilik. Yeah. Well, both Barkan and Burak. Burak yeah. did not have the best weekend. Uh, but Burak nope. has. Well, Burak has also yeah. been doing a lot more 10 scale than Barkan. Yeah, I think the thing is, because Burak has finished school, mm -hmm. like, I think, at least a year or two ago. And I think Barkan is either at his final year, year of school, or he still has one more or something. So, Burak is obviously 
essentially an RC pro. So he has a lot more time to practice and test. And he has gone to EOS. He went to Hanmunden, for example. Mm -hmm. Whereas Berkan, he kind of just races uh, HKL and the big races. Um, and uh, yeah, but I think what makes this story even more crazy is the fact that they actually didn't have any practice with it. They got mm. the car in the mail. Um, they built it, went to EOS. I think they might have had like one day before the EOS or something, but that's it. Like they got the car like during the week of EOS, I think. Really? And yeah, they, they decided to go when they got the car and their work put it in the A main. And I think like considering, yeah, seventh on the grid, uh, for after qualifying sixth, uh, at the final results, like not spectacular, but when you consider, I don't think Burak has, if he's made the A main in tool drive at EOS, he's finished at the very bottom of the A main. I think this is by far his best tool drive result internationally. So mm -hmm. I think that already is a big thing, but the fact that he does it with a car that he has pretty much no practice with or testing with, I think, I mean, it's, it speaks for him as a driver, but I think also it's, it's, it's a good start for Mugen for sure. And I think, um, I don't know if it's going to be earlier or later in the podcast, but we talk about the TLR, you know, supply issue mm -hmm. with parts. And I think already people in the Discord, uh, by the way, go join the NRC Discord. People in our Discord were talking about, you know, TLR having issues with part supply. The Mugen looks very TLR-ish. It's a new platform, comes out. It has prestige as a brand name and so on, good quality. And then if it can have results like this, I think it could be a real challenger for in the tool drive market. So... It's going to be interesting to see. Really good opener for them. Yeah, and and obviously Mugen has two of the top drivers in Europe and in the world. I would say to lean on with Barkan and Borak. I saw. I think that they're both going to Montpellier, which I'm happy about as well. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, but at, I I believe, and we touched on this, they're also going to have to get. I think that Mugen is going to have to get somebody in America to do well at ten scale as well uh, with yeah. this car. I do really do believe they're going to have to if they want it to be successful. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, just to add up on that, I think overall for Mugen, it's going to be really difficult because the name itself will live out for quite a bit. But mm -hmm. I think there will be a point where they really have to get a driver just to keep like the, you know, results up there. Because this is what happened with Kyosho too, mm -hmm. that they kind of stopped having that dominant streak. And then people kind of made up their mind, like, oh, Kyosho is shit now. Where even though it really was good, but I think, you know, they, they had drivers that, you know, maybe wasn't like as good anymore. Um, and then also like, yeah. Like they completely dominated. went away from paying drivers. Yeah, then, then they kind of dumped everyone. So there was this moment, but I think they're now coming back by hiring, you know, Lutz and Fee. So, yeah. And McBride, I don't know. I oh, think... McBride and Lutz will go at it this weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. All I right. I agree yeah. with you there. I agree with you there. Real quick, let's touch on Zalowski. Man, this kid is the real deal, I would say. Very good. Yeah, I think, I think, um, well, 
we have uh, you have talked in the podcast before with Pavel and from mm-hmm. Poland. We're gonna have um, Pavel on her again too at some point. Yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, so Pavel has been working on with the Polish uh, Olympic, uh, you know, team coaches mm-hmm. because he he got to know them through some somewhere I think, and he has been working on you know this reaction or hand-eye coordination training uh, and you know training with a purpose uh, and trying to translate that from like Olympic sports to, you know, RC, because we don't really have that. We just go out and track and drive. And Zelensky is kind of one of his um, Padawans in that sense. He's been helping their career all throughout and trying to, you know, direct any help he can. And I think now it's really paying off uh, in results as well. He's had a good result here and there. He's been fast here and there. But I think, you know, finishing on the podium in both classes, Mm-hmm. really challenging for the win the way mm-hmm. he did it no mistakes driving really really fair i think you know it's a very good way to come into the scene and i think the support he has behind him i think it's really good with powell and then also from the x-ray i think they will start even more strongly supporting him after results like this so segue into him beating me to uh oh all right, so thoughts on Rana Falk and Angaro not making this main? Rana Falk just yeah, missed out. Think, he is 11. Yeah, Rana Falk just missed out, but I was kind of, you know, he was fast in practice, mm-hmm. in dual drive. He had really bad luck in qualifying. Like, as you know, said, he had some tire issues too and just couldn't get a round, two rounds together and, yeah, missed out on the main by just mm-hmm. a bit. Mm-hmm. But that being said, in full drive, he was barely in the main he was really a non-factor like being honest here so i just think something was off with him that weekend and because the weekend before he went to to uh, check check republic mm-hmm. to race with the x-ray team and he he was fast there but he didn't have like he got beat by max gotzel i think in tool drive so like that already, you know, if you're at the very high point, you kind of win everything, you know, no matter the competition. But I think, I don't know, maybe he's hit a bit of a roadblock in terms maybe of... Maybe just needs time on the cars. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's it's just that. Obviously, yeah, maybe he's having like some issues with, you know, his confidence and so on again. But I don't know. We'll see it this weekend in Montpellier. He's getting back be, to his skill. Be very interested to see how he does in, in Montpellier. Great video by JQ uh, saying goodbye to him as well. I do wish uh, the Viking all the luck in Montpellier. Um, all right. So we'll talk about four-wheel drive real quick. Then we'll ask this question. Kara, great win for him. But I would say the same thing. Has to start making these two-wheel drive mains. Yeah. And I think the thing about Kara, is, which is weird, is He's always fast. Mm-hmm. He can always win. But sometimes he's just in the B. You know, like, I don't know where that comes from and why. Because he's a two-time European champion, but he's sometimes still in the B. Like, that's a very, you know, fluke, you know, type, like, driving. Like, because he can win all of these races. Even in tool drive, he was one of the fastest drivers. But just, like, the mistakes, the inconsistency, I think he's... He's one of those guys who is a bit, you know, on the edge, right? Like mm-hmm. you say, whereas I think Zalewski is like the polar opposite, that he is like very, very reserved. And I think that's kind of like a really good, you know, comparison because when Marcus came onto the scene, 
it was it wasn't that you know nice and uh, and damned it like he had all these you know issues with like um collisions with drivers big fights on the internet uh, uh, about his driving and oh i i missed all so of that no, but you remember this incident with uh, Michal where Kerob, uh, I think they got touched by each other and then, you know, Kerob was in the middle of the straight and kind of drove in front of Orlowski or whatever. And that was like a huge fight. So I think early on when he started to getting fast, I think, you know, he had a lot of like negativity around that too mm-hmm. because of like he is very, you know, aggressive and, and so on on the track. But I think he races really clean. Like, I think he's always raced rather clean. But, you know, he just, I think he's just like the way, as a person, he's much more, you know, can I say emotional? That's a Viking stock. Yeah, I think he has that, you know, like um, passion and he's very amped up while he drives. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, for example, Zalewski, he's one of the, he's like the icest of ice people, <laughs> you know, if you can say. I think same with Jona. Like, he's just like, oh, well. Let's continue. I try my best, you know, but I think Kara at one time, like in some sense, that's why he won the tool drive euros last year, because he's so all out there and that he made the best time in tool drive and that barely clinched the title for him. But in sometimes I think that kind of style can hurt him where he makes too many mistakes and doesn't make the A main or then has some incident with other driver. But I think, I think he's still growing. Mm. because he's still very young and I think, you know, he has all the tools to be a top driver and I think he's been getting more into 8-scale as well, which I it's think 8-scale... Yeah, and I think... It's going to teach him patience. Yeah, same with Jona. I think since he's driven with 8-scale in Finland and, like, driven the long mains, that teaches you so much racecraft. I, it's mm-hmm. just understanding that, hey... I'll 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 take my time. I don't rush things. I don't be too aggressive. But when the opportunity presents itself, then you pounce. You know that kind of racecraft is really hard to learn in ten scale because it's especially in carpet because it's so fast paced. Everything happens so fast. So you know you need to have it at the back of your mind. You need, like you can't think about it during the main. You have to like know it. Uh, it has to be like intu- intuition that you have the racecraft in there. Okay. Uh, he snaps Orlowski's win streak, and I guess I didn't I realize this, but only two rounds of EOS. So there's no more EOS this year, or what's going on? Yeah, yeah. So I can't really tell why this is, but for example, last winter they had a round at the workshop. Um, they also mm-hmm. had down. They had um, I think uh, MR33, maybe not last year, but they had they had much more rounds. You know? And they've usually had anywhere between like four to six rounds for the series. But for some reason, they're cutting back. Uh, there won't be any more rounds this winter. For next winter, as it, as it looks like now, there's only going to be one round in Dawn. There's not going to be any other EOSs. And I feel it's odd. Like, I don't really understand why this is. Because um, they had their entry record just now, 577 entries. Um, I think it was around 300 drivers. So, like, they have, like, I, I don't really see why. I don't understand why they're doing this because the series is bigger than it's ever been. 
I don't. Yeah, it's weird. To so know. they're not going to race again till next winter. They don't race during the regular year. That's, that's as far as I know, and as far as I've heard, that's that is what it is going to be. And it could be because you know it's it's like the people behind the scenes, like Tony and especially Mark uh, Reinhardt's dad. I can't can't remember his first date, but um, the dad Reinhardt. Uh, he's been, you know, behind the series for a long time. I think he's been kind of switching that over to Tony uh, right mm-hmm. now. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's time. Yeah, Maybe ETS, conflicts. Yeah, I don't know. But ETS is still going strong. They're all having a lot of rounds. So I don't know if it's about sponsorship money uh, because entry income should be good. Like it should be better than ever. So it's a really um, weird um like situation but i think the biggest losers of this like if if we really are going to lose the eos series like as a series mm-hmm. i think the biggest losers are going to be these young guys coming up because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think for michael and for yona if it wasn't for the eos at the early parts of their career like they wouldn't have developed as much as drivers racing every month basically we had a eos round like racing once a month against the best in Europe on carpet in similar conditions. Uh, that's like, that's the best thing you you can have as development. You, you can practice, you can test, and then you measure it at the end of each month at AOS. So I think like having not that opportunity for these new guys like Selevsky and uh, uh, London, Johansson, obviously Karab, I think he's kind of crossed that point already, but Especially with Zalewski and uh, London, these newer guys onto the like top level, yeah, it's difficult. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I wanted to touch on something before we move on, and that was um, I saw somebody talking about this comments and and whatnot about Arlowski being the best all around offered guy. Now, I have would say on carpet, yes, but. Uh, in order to be the best all-around offer guy, you also have to be do well in Nitro. Now, he does not dedicate much time to Nitro. I watched him run Nitro at the Wilds, and he's very good. He's definitely capable of, of running Nitro and being up there in the top echelons of it. But as one of the best all-around racers in the world at the moment, yes, definitely. When it comes to on-road, when it comes to uh, carpet racing, a little bit probably not as good on the dirt as he was at the world slasher, but that's because he doesn't run on it much. Yes. He's a current e-buggy world champion, but it was on a mainly AstroTurf type of track. Well, uh, it, was, it, it was, I think I have to say that I would not have expected Michal to win on that track. Cause it was, it wasn't really like grippy. It was just like a really, really technical track. So I think I think that I I would say that that was like a pure performance. But also mm-hmm. he was at the warm up. He's a very meticulous person in terms of like what lines he picks, how he sets up the car. So I think in that sense, yeah, the like he had a little bit of a positive, uh, you know, aspect in the terms of how the track suited him. But yeah, I think I kind of disagree like to some extent with you i think we can i'm just saying what 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 a person said in the comments and i'm saying is do we consider him to be one of the best in the world i I think he's definitely one of the best in the world but not the best all-around racer 
Well, if I think about it, I'd say he is the best all-around racer. Really? But he really races any nitro. Not enough. Yeah, well... Yeah, I gotta take that back a little. I think Bruno is still be- better yes. overall. When I think about it, because, you know, he's a two-time world champion in 10-scale off-road, and he has proven himself in 8-scale nitro. He has also proven himself in, you know, um, track 8-scale nitro. Mm-hmm. So, I think, you know, I think Bruno still has that, you know, card in his hands. But Orozco is coming for it. He's coming for it, really. And I think, because mm-hmm. I'm quite confident Michael is going to be focusing on 8-scale this year a lot more again. It's the world's year. You don't have 10-scale worlds. He'll definitely have, at least should have time for more 8-scale. And, like, he made straight to semis at the last Worlds in Nitro. Absolutely. Um, barely missed the main at the last Worlds. So, in my opinion, I think he has what it takes to be a top guy in Nitro too. Absolutely. And I think, and in Ibagi, he's already proved it. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I do agree in that sense that I think Bruno is still a little bit more proven. Mm-hmm. But it's it's getting much closer now with... Michelle winning races in pretty much all classes consistently now. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, but well done to him. He takes two-wheel drive. Carp takes four-wheel drive. It was a good EOS. Uh, and I hope we see... I hope this isn't just two. I hope we see more. I am looking forward to the MKGP coming up in March. I'll be traveling, I believe, when that happens. Uh, I'm not sure the date, but I know it's early March. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens with that. Also, I forgot to tell you this. Uh, I am actually starting a petition. I meant to okay. do this. I meant to start this after the 12 scale worlds, but the petition is we have the 10 scale world championships coming up in Costa Rica later on this year. I believe, uh, Danny and I are doing it from elite and maybe a couple of, uh, myself, Danny and Gene might be going. My petition is I am petitioning X-ray to get the doctor to race one more Nitro World Championships. Yeah. He has a won a World Championship in this, I believe, right? Yeah. Just to clarify, it's 10... Alexander ten, Hedger. Uh, I see. No, no, but I mean the, the class. Because you just said 10 scale. 10 scale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Nitro um, on road for 10 scale, not 8 scale. We are, we are starting a petition. Let... Alexander Hagberg race one more world championships in 10 scale nitro. I see. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to get X-ray back into nitro on road because I feel like they have probably the best guys to do it. Like, I mean, who does it? He goes to the, he goes to the, uh, Miami GP. Yeah. Yeah, To me, to me, that's really interesting because like, I think, well, Bruno's schedule is already like, tight like it's really tight i don't think bruno could fit it but i'm pretty sure alex could easily fit you know a 10 scale and 8 scale uh nitro um on road there so i i'd be interested to see x-ray coming back obviously the reason why they aren't there is because infinity basically you know snatched every single top driver on on road so like i think x-ray kind of lost interest uh because of you know it's it's not very competitive of an environment when the other brand can just spend money and you're kind of trying to run a business, but yeah. Well, I don't know, but that's a great segue 
into the snowbirds. We're not going to go too long on the snowbirds because honestly, I didn't watch it much. I need to go watch Track Rats uh, live show that they did last night. Actually, try, we was trying to link up to get Track Rats on to talk about it. But actually, actually, pretty much dominated the snowbirds. This is probably the biggest, the biggest um, one-word race in the world nowadays. And we saw X-ray. So, um, so Awesomatics didn't have like a Mark Reinhardt. They didn't have a Kemp Anderson because he was uh, at school. They didn't have Donnie Leah who took the win in mod twelve in twelve scale. So well done to him. It was Donnie Leah, Ali Payne, Alexander Hagberg. Well done, Hagberg. And Ali Payne, Ali Payne coming back after a not so good 12 scale world. But in my touring car was Kevin Hebert, who had a not very good 12 scale worlds. Uh, didn't make the A final. Uh, Bruno Coelho and Alexander Hackberg. So X ray absolutely dominated the Snowbirds in mod touring car and pretty almost dominated the entire 12 scale mod. So well done to them. Uh, I will go listen to Track Rats, Track Rats, find out more about them. Um, and then I'm going to try to have them on at some time this month. We're just having some scheduling conflicts to do a full recap of that. But if you want to hear about what they had to say about it, go to Track Rats podcast. Check them out. So I don't know. This, yeah. this race has been going on for like 30 something years. I did see. And I saw somebody comment about this in our discord about Eric Anderson, who's the current IFMAR president. He was complaining about the carpet and the tires and all this type of stuff. And um. Yeah, I don't know. It always seems to be a complaint like that, you know. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I think I think no one is ever like everyone is never happy, you know. It's like someone always complains, but it is what it is. I think. Yeah, I think as you said, Snowbirds has been going on for. I think this was twenty ninth or thirtieth. Thirty something. It's been thirty something years. No, no, the first one was in ninety five, at least according to their page. So. It, it should be 29th, but in the banners, they had 30. So I don't know if I'm missing something. But yeah, it's it's been there forever. It's been probably the biggest on-road race in the world for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. Um, but a few interesting things I found when I was looking into it. I Because Donnie Leah, for me, I, I've heard about him. But he's a very, you know, kind of down-to-earth guy in RC world. He's from New York. He has the NYGP. I met him at the 12 scale yeah. world. Good dude. Good dude. He's an older yeah. gentleman. He's really good in 12 yeah. scale. When I say I older, think, like my age, I would say. Yeah. yeah. And I think he races full scale cars too. Not sure. I'm not not I don't wrong, know. but he's a very fast driver as done. But I read to his race report and he said he had an automatics uh, 12 scale prototype. Mm. So this is obviously this sparked my eye immediately because the automatics A12, when it was released, you know, obviously that was like the big thing. Uh, very innovative, again, very new compared to the market. And uh, what I read from the race report he made, he said, you know, there's a lot of thing, new things, innovative things again. So I'm feeling like really, really excited to see what's, what's, what they've been improving on. And same thing with uh, Schumacher. They're probably going to come out with their new car since he already at the Worlds, Orozco is running some new bits. I think less you know, innovative than automatics, but anyway, world's winning car from Schumacher. Mm-hmm. So it's it, the 12 scale like market. It has been like really, really interesting recently because of automatics bringing in a whole lot of new innovative ideas and then everyone else kind of trying to find their way of it, like how they could make it work. 
So I think it's been really interesting. And another thing, CRC had a prototype twelve scale car too. Yeah, they have. Yeah, CRC have. I think they displayed it at the Worlds. And I think um, I don't know if they're releasing it, but I expect them to release it rather soon. You know, for the general public, if they, if they, I don't know if they plan to do that, but I'd expect it to. And I don't know if the results have been good, but at least the car is quite unique in in some sense. And yeah, it's it's nice. No, yeah, I, I I haven't looked at results of like stock or or spec or anything like that. So I do apologize. Um, yeah. Another big race that happened this past weekend was the Northwest Rage Tour up in Walla Walla, Washington Arena race. Uh, the coverage was actually very good. I did tune in a little bit. Uh, an IC buggy, Nitro buggy, was Jarrett Costa Korea. Uh, Jimmy Fishback, who's been making a name for himself, and Jeremy Lickke, who's also from Canada. A uh, very great race scene they got up going on up there in the Pacific Northwest. We are our rant is uh, is about this race, not about this race in general, but our friend. And your RC dad, Bartholomew Baker, got really mad, and we have it on video, but I, he brought up a good topic. I talked to the RD of this race and all the stuff, and it's about restarts. We're going to talk about that in our rant later on uh, in this podcast. But well done. Uh, Mod Media was up there doing the coverage. It was big. Uh, this is like a three-day race. Uh, I know it's Pacific Northwest, so they have a lot of people from up in Canada, uh, Washington, Idaho, and Oregon that attend this race, and I actually think uh, Nick from TZO went up there as well. So good stuff to them. Uh, the first round of the Florida RC Championships 10 scale was held at New Reds Hobbies in Ocala, Florida. Uh, first installment of the race, they had the RB10 Novice Class, which completely sold out, uh, which was a hit. Talking to the guys that, there, that were there, Lance and the guys worked their asses off, helping people out, getting the cars ready. They said that the, the RB10s drove very well. They, they, they took a beating and kept on ticking. Uh, I believe Julian Oliveras won mod. Um, not as many entrants as they wanted to for the first race, but it's building the, you know, uh, 10 scale in Florida used to be huge back in these book up days and all that type of stuff. So they're trying to get back up to that level. And this is the, uh, this is, you know, it's, it's going to take some time. And I think the next race is coming up later this month, if I'm not mistaken. But I know um, they have, or it might be in March. I know they have the next round of the Florida RC 1-8 scale championships coming up next week weekend, which is going to be at Sundance. It's just a track I wanted to go to, but I'm not going to make that one either. So well done to the Florida RC championships and 10 scale race. Um, And I know, uh, hey, I'm looking forward to seeing more people. I will be attending one of these races Sometime this year, we haven't really figured it out what's going to happen. Uh, and upcoming races, races to watch this weekend. We have the Asian Buggy Championship. So Scotty Sad is a he's he go, he goes right from Germany now to New Zealand. Uh, it's being held at the County's RC Club. I saw some pictures of the track. A lot of the New Zealand Australian guys are very excited about this. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing McBride and Lutz going at it. Two Kyosho guys going at it. I do think Lutz is going to win this. But who knows, man? Who knows what's going to happen, man? Um, I don't think that... One thing I'm not I'm not happy about, I don't see the young guy Bernard. I don't see Bernard Zek going. Or maybe I missed it. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I don't look, know. I don't yeah, think he's think, going. Yeah, Caleb Noble, I think, is going. Caleb Noble's going. Then you have the guy, yeah. Jaden Jameson, who's really good over there. I'm sure yeah. a big... A lot of the the Australian guys are going, yeah, as well. But the big, big race. Go ahead. You was going to say something. 
Yeah, I think, I think. Are you are you gonna are you gonna fluff uh, Kyle McBride right now? Yeah, that's what you're gonna do. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna put put some pressure on him now. Okay, because I think he has to win this race. Mm. I think he has to beat Lutz. First of all, to gain, gain gain the confidence, and second of all, to kind of prove to everyone else that he can still beat you know top drivers. Let's be honest. Lutz is a top five driver in America right now. I'd say, mm-hmm. like consistently speaking. Yes. So I think if he beats him, I think that's kind of what he needs to do now, like to prove that he's still at that level. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm waiting to look at that, and yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about it that next week if he does or if yeah, he does. Absolutely, absolutely. And the big, big race that I'm looking forward to, and I hope they have decent coverage, is Montpellier this weekend, and it looks like. Everybody's going to this race. Yeah, I think uh, I think every single top, you know, driver I, from Europe is going. I did see a video of the track. They have a bridge now. Yeah, I think that was already last year. Did they have a bridge last year? Yeah, because they changed the layout last year. But the issue last year was that they didn't have good coverage. You know, they had really, really bad coverage because I don't think they had anyone there. But this year, at least, it's been reported from French uh, uh, people that it, there should be coverage. Obviously, most likely, everything is going to be in French. But yeah, I want this. Look, I want to get to this race. So all you guys over there, let's work it out next year. I want to call. I want to. I want to call it I, one of my favorite races. We've seen some epic battles out of this race, but everybody is going like every, every, everybody is going. I can't yeah. wait. I think. Be- yeah, I think right now there's like a few major races in Europe. Obviously, the Euros, that's like the major race in Europe. But then on top of the Euros, there's like Bogiland, IBC, Montpellier, and maybe, maybe you could put Reg GP into that category mm-hmm. or the Italian job. Uh, no, it's not only the Italian, Italian race. Yeah, it used to be Italian job, but uh, I think Mao got contacted by Disney that they can't use it. <laughs> because there's this movie called Italian Job. I know, I know. With Mark, yeah. I know. Uh, so, speaking of this race, uh, predictions, Montpellier? I gotta say, I think Ongaro's won it at least two times, maybe three times now. He won it with Matrix last year. Then he won the Rain Affected one. And then he won the year before that with the 3.1. And then the year before that, he was leading, and then his battery ran out mm-hmm. because it's called, you know, there's an issue. Like sometimes it's just our main too. So, so I don't know. Oh, somewhere in there between, I think Canas won it. Yeah, he won it. Yeah, so I think that was that was either twenty one or twenty two. That okay. was 22, 22. So you have Longaro winning it. Yeah, I think Canas or Longaro are going to be the top dogs anyway, but I think Longaro on this track, on this surface, with his driving style, he's just so much better than anyone Run else. Run Open tire? New dr- first dr- drive on X-ray? Open tire will for sure help him. Uh, last time he was at Montpellier, he didn't make it onto the podium, I don't think. He was running the e-buggy. There was the e- EGP of Montpellier. That was last summer. 
So, and also like back in, back in his time at HP, I don't remember him ever doing that well at this race. So it's not, it's not his favorite event, I, don't, I would say, but he's going to be up there, but I'd still put my money on Ongaro. And, uh, Robert, Robert's been practicing hard. He won a regional yeah. this past weekend. JQ, he's been in Spain testing with him. Yeah. I don't know. I, I want to believe that Robert is good, but I got to be honest that I don't really know where he's at. Like, he, because he's been practicing now a lot more than he has in the 2023, and he's been like systematically with Joseph. Really? I think he's been practicing a lot more in 2020. Oh, it's only the beginning of 2024. Max. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like the start of this year, he has been like more systematically practicing. I think I don't know if it's more, but I think his race program is much better put together now. So. It will be interesting to see if he if that like makes him fast again because I see it from him at times, but I think over like on average his results have dropped in the past few years. Like even at his last two years at Mugen, he wasn't as fast. But it will be interesting to see. I want to believe that he does well because wasn't he fifth last year? I, I think he was. I can't remember fourth. what race I yeah, what Robert, happened Robert, last year. Yeah, Robert or Robert was fourth or fifth last year, maybe sixth. Can't remember, but he was he was in the around the top five last year, and he's been generally pretty, pretty okay at this race. So, I mean, I I have him for a top five, but if if it's like if Joseph and his testing has gone to like good effect i think he has a chance for a podium i don't think he could beat ongaro though i don't, I don't think anyone okay. really it'll be very hard to beat ongaro all right well speaking of big races uh i'll be attending the ibc international buggy challenge at the end of march i hope you guys come out to join me i am um, actually gotta buy my ticket today for that uh, i want to thank them for having me out there i'm looking forward to hanging out with the portuguese guys and doing all the coverage so check it out the international buggy challenge happening in barcelos portugal Thank you to Yona for his time. It was a great chatting with him. Uh, I know his his audio wasn't the best, but he was at a track, so we'll we'll you know we'll we'll, we'll give him some some uh, leeway on that. Max, you still got that smirk on your face, like that's my pro, that's my boy, that's my boy. I like him, you know. He's he's like quite a humble boy, so it's nice because some of these like you well, do like, not suffer off. from humbleness, that's for sure. <laughs> no, but the thing is, like, I think considering the circumstances, I'm quite humble, you know, considering like the immense, uh, like, I'm looking at LFD, I, this man I, possess, is... I think, like, uh, I'm quite humble. You just triggered somebody out there somewhere, some way, somehow. Someone just got angry. Someone somebody just, just got angry. Many people got angry at you. All right. Um, up next is our hot race tires, hot potato, and hot and cold section. This section is brought to you by Hot Race Tires. Uh, 
getting ready for the uh, Montpellier GP as well. It was good to see they had their tires up there. I do like that what Hot Race is doing. They're putting like the tires that you should use that's recommended for that particular track on Instagram and the social medias. Uh, I was talking to Nico. He's almost completely moved into his new factory there. Like, not fa- well, factory slash warehouse there in Italy. He's really busy. And of course, uh, Jared Tebow is the new hot race manager in America. So, hot race is definitely pushing on all scenes. Probably the number one tie in America and looking to chase down that number one title in the USA. Sorry, number one, t- number one tire in Europe <laughs> and looking to chase down that number one title in America as well. Uh, so yeah. well done to Hot Race. Thank you for all their support. And don't worry, guys. I know some guys want some tires. We are going to get them sent out to you. All right. So up first on the hot potato section. So, Max, while I bring up this video, for those that are new, we only started the hot potatoes uh, segment last week. Maybe you can explain it to Cade and our audience out there, please, while I bring up the vi- yeah. first video. So we had this uh, hot race, hot laps, but obviously me and Lefty were ridiculously bad at coming up with uh, hot questions. So we kind of always didn't do it and just played the, uh, uh, spoke the hot race ad read. But I think, hey, you know, uh, I got to do something for Keenan, you know, for the podcast. We got to, we got to make a segment, you know, and I took my, you know, the immense intelligence I was talking about and. I came up with this hot race segment, hot segment. Okay, we're calling it. So hot potato, um, hot race, hot potato segment is called, uh, is, is, wait, now I need to start again. Hot race, hot potato. This segment is um, for topics that kind of have been um, hot in the last week. So for example, last week, um, um, we talked about, uh, what did we talk about again? I forget. Somebody will remind us. Yeah, we, we talked about something that was hot, but um, oh, ICEP. That's oh, what that's what it was. About. How could I forget yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. So, any anytime there's like a topic that because like every weekend something happens, and then everyone is like, "Well, should we do this? Should we do this? Should we do this?" So I think this is a good segment. Like, kind of like put an end to all the like uh, arguing and so on. We just like, hey. This is how it is, you know. You heard it here first. All right. And then the hot and cold, you know, just who's hot, who's cold. Okay. Not looks, uh, performance and so on. All right. So this starts off. Uh, we did talk about the the North uh North Northwest Rage Tour up in Walla Walla this past weekend. Your RC dad, Bartholomew Baker, has been attending these races up there. One army, it's the it's the guys who are doing all the mods and different things for the HP chassis. Great group of people, great machinists, all that type of stuff. So Barry is with them, and this was the last race of the night. It's been a long weekend, and someone messaged me and goes, why is Barry so angry? And I had no idea what they're talking about until I saw the end of, someone said, go watch the end of uh, the coverage. So we go up her, and here is Barry. He is not happy about something, right? So I'm like, why is Barry not happy, right? I'm wondering, what, is he upset at Max or something? I don't know, right? So let's see. So he uh he is he's R that's the that's the RD uh Brian Phillips and then the R no he's not the RD he's the man who runs the race and then the RD is the guy who comes up her later with the fifth skill that's the RD right there Robert right <laughs> I just love this scene 
he doesn't take no shit either, right? So Barry goes over and starts talking to him. And I, like, I want to ad lib this. And it's like, do you know Max Mort? That guy wouldn't do this. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know what Barry's at. But this is Barry in his most passionate. And I love Barry because, like, he's probably the number one passionate guy in America, you know? And he has, like, <laughs> good type of passion, you know? Well, this is Barry was a hothead. And that's one of the things that he was good. He was, he would tell you that he's tried to change. Um, in his in his time, but you know, still yeah. emotions flur. And anyway, th- I'm We're bringing this going. up because it it, it bo- <laughs> there's more. There, Larry is not happy. He is not happy. Um. So anyway, in the interview after this, uh, let's remove that. Let's get back to us. Barry's going to be upset that we played that video, but we love you, Bartholomew. We love you. I had to no, play but, it. No, but that's oh, hold on. I'm still playing it. Let me turn it off. <laughs> I love that you apologized and then put it back on. <laughs> well, it was a mistake. Oh no, I, that was just a slip. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh. No, but it, I don't. I don't think that's even bad on him because clearly it was for a good reason. As we're gonna come. Oh, it brought up a great topic, right? Uh, so in the interview after this, uh, Matt had him up in the booth and he was talking about this. And he so they had two restarts to this main, and he said he was upset about that, and he was also upset about a Marshall. I don't. I'm not really worried about. Barry making off and all that stuff, but it brought up a great topic about restarts, restarts of races. So that started a hot topic. Obviously, I posted on Facebook. I commented on Barry's thing, and actually, the the RD of the race reached out to me. We had a talk because um, I know him, and um, he's, I've known him for a few years, and it got me thinking about restarts in in in, in RC racing because we always claim we we want restarts and we want this. I remember Lance also talked about it in our chat. He was like, oh, that's a can of worms you don't want to open. Not not us, period, but the actual thing of doing restarts, right? So that brought me up to say, what constitutes a restart? A lot of people want to restart when it's a big cluster at the start, when everybody's getting ganged up and, you know, it's a big cluster. But to me, that doesn't warrant a restart, right? Uh Everybody has different opinions. But with that said, I'm going to bring up something that also people demanded having a restart of. And this comes from the 12 scale worlds, A3, Camp Anderson. Uh, this was this was heartbreaking because it was a shame that this happened. We were we scheduled to have a very good 12 scale finish, right? And this happened. So let's watch it. If you're watching this 12 scale world, you can find Elite RC production. There's Camp Anderson in that blue and white car. And when the turn goes off, watch what happens. So it's going to go off her pretty soon. I don't have volume on, so I don't know. So his car just does not go. Right? Let's let's replay that. So I remember in the chat when this happened, people were going nuts. It should be a restart. It should be a restart. Da, 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 da. Blah, 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 blah. Now, Yes, did it cause a big crash, a big kerfuffle? Absolutely. But not, in, well, if Mars said they don't do restarts, right? It's not in their rule box. No, it's, to do yeah, it's yeah. like right. when, it, when it's never specified in the rules, like even if like all the, should they do a restart point, like put aside, that at that point it wasn't even possible. It, it would have been against the rule. But besides that, the one car didn't start, didn't go, and some cars got in crashes, but was able to continue to go. Cars in the back hit him, right? Mm-hmm. It still doesn't cause it to restart for me, right? 
if if the first cars go off and it's a big crash in the middle and the leader and the second and third get in it and all that happens, it's a big crash in the end and that guy from the back comes by and is able to pass go through. I don't think that that recalls for a restart. I think restarts are for jump starts and false starts, like to do with a computer. Like if everybody goes before the turn or if like two guys go before the turn, they should be. I think they. I think you should got. If you jump the start, you should be put to the back. Restart and done that. But I don't think that restarts would be done just for big crashes on the first corner. I think it's it's just racing, right? <laughs> I think it's just racing. That big crash on the corner could be a benefit for that car in the back who's going to come by and, and miss all that crashing. Just like it's a benefit for that guy on pull to start. Um, so I think that... So I did talk to the RD of this event and how they do things up in the Pacific Northwest is they, they they do a lot of restarts when they don't have a great start, right? And I said, that's fine. That's how you guys do it up there. That is perfectly cool. He's, you know, he says, well, if you don't do a restart, the racers will get upset and stuff like that. I said, well, I understand that because that's what they're used to, right? That's what they're used to. That's what they do. And, that, and, and if, if that's what their rules and what they are used to up there, then that's fine. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen in the rest of the world of racing where you go to as well. So it, it's a lot of underlying things about this. One, it's always going to come down to nobody's really following any real rule book when this happens mm-hmm. at these bigger races, which we, we which we've we've beat that horse to death enough on this podcast. But in my brain, what constitutes a, a restart? But I don't feel yeah. that crashes. Crashes like that constitute a restart. I think it should be but yeah. jump in the jump in the turn, stuff like that. Like if a guy in third just jumps it and he's in first before the first corner, then obviously you should restart it or no, penalize no, I don't, that I, Okay, I'll I'll start with what I think. Because I think to me this issue is as black and white as it could be. Now I'll start off with um a few things. Number one, the reason why full scale racing has a restart is because oftentimes you can't just marshal a car out of that way. Another thing is if someone's life is in danger, you have to stop the race. But in full-scale racing, if like a cars collide and they are not on the track, you don't have a restart. Like you just continue racing, you know, it's it is what it is. But in RC, it shouldn't be any different to me. Like, I don't think, oh, sorry. You know, in RC, we don't have that, you know, uh, like issue because we have marshals. So if a car crashes, you just marshal it and tracks clear. You know, it's a few seconds, tracks clear. Then to another point uh, that if, if a car crashes and there's a pileup, how big of a pileup does it have to be that it constitutes as a restart? And how like um, how much time for solving the pileup do we give the marshal until we call it a restart? Okay, so th- I think that's one like very gray line that you can never work with if you do restarts, you know, after the talk. Because what if there's three cars who got in a pileup? But they all deserve it. Like they all took each other out, and there's all everyone is at fault. So the guy behind them, like, cannot benefit from that. And those three really aggressive starters get, you know, a second try. Now, 
I think that's to me that point is like I don't even want to entertain it. And like you said, for regional events who have customs, not rules, completely fine to do restarts. You leave it out to the RD, he does what he does. That's how you guys do it. But when you're making rules, when you're having like uh, prestigious events, they need rules. And having restarts written into the rule, not going to work, you know, in situations like that, because it's going to be impossible to be, you know, fair for everyone. And I think that's the whole point of this uh, thing. Then the last thing to say, uh, which is the kind of where I can see arguments that could be taken, you know, could be taken seriously. Like, for example, the Kemp Anderson incident. I think at that point, I'm open to discussing should it be a restart, but I still think it shouldn't. So anything that happens after all cars are moving, I think no restart ever and in any way needed or written into any rules. Yeah, if you race with your region, fine, like I said. But the Kemp Anderson incident is a little bit different because a car didn't go, it didn't even start, and you already had a pileup. And it was basically a technical failure in the starting procedure of one driver. Now, why I don't think it would be a good reason to restart, why I think it would be wrong to restart. What if Kemp Anderson was 10th on the grid and his car was just stuck there? No pileup, just one car didn't start. Okay, no restart, obviously. What if he was 8th and one car hit him? Yeah, maybe not restart, just two cars, right? What if he was 6th and then three cars hit him? Is that enough already? Or does it have to be on the top half of the grid where that happens and then it's a restart? Like here again, I feel that we go into a gray line where mm -hmm. we don't really have like a rule that could be justified. Like if someone from the top five doesn't start, it's a restart. No, that's a ridiculous rule. If a car at six doesn't start and has the same issues Kemp had, oh, now it's not a restart. That's not fair for the whole grid. So I think overall the best way to go is that they are effectively two... Um, Two reasons to restart a race. Number one is there is an issue with the starting procedure from the point of the organizer. So countdown isn't done correct or announcement of cars down, whichever way you do it is not correct or the tone doesn't function correctly or whatever. So basically the start procedure is not like working properly. That's number one. And number two is that the track actually breaks. Maybe in the second corner, someone drives under the pipe and the whole pipe is across the track so that the cars can't go around. Or one thing that has happened before is that uh, at carpet races, is that the carpet lifts up and all the cars go under the carpet. How about if it's a car marshal? That yeah, that's, that's one thing I was going to say was, um, was specifically with like nitro and A-scale races, it can be like with very large pileups and more cars coming towards it, like down the straight, for example, that first marshal's job becomes a lot more dangerous. So I think, for sure, them, but I think, yeah, go but ahead. I, I think like in that scenario, like where the marshal has to take time to like marshal like seven, eight or the whole grid pretty much, then that would constitute some sort of a restart. But 
with smaller scale cars, like for example, 12 scale, where it's a lot less risk to bodily harm for the marshals. Skill issue, rip those away. I don't care. Keep going. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. what if my thought, my thought was, what if a marshal or a mechanic, let's say a mechanic's late, or I don't know, something where that marshal goes out to the mechanic, I don't know, whatever. And the marshal causes a car to, to crash or something like that. Something that's out of not as something that isn't the driver's fault causes it. I think should be a restart. Um, I have the I have the actual restart no, on her. Go ahead, Max. Let's let's have a. I I, I, okay. I hope you guys can hear the volume so we can see if we can hear it as well. Down mm-hmm. and quiet. And we're off. Fish back with the TQ in this one. Oh, we got a false start. Okay, we got a false start here. So they, they pulled it back for a full start. All right, so I got to pull them back in. That's one. Let me see if I can answer some questions here. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, John see where Moore, the full big thanks to the camera, but... dude. Excellent work. I know he's been on it. He's been an Iron Man. I think he's been going on. We did five hours this morning. He'll do they another. Uh, they did two yeah. right yeah. now, yeah. so he'll be at twelve hours. No, thirteen hours. <laughs> We'll be at 13 hours. Okay, full start. That's legitimate. Doing it up here. So yeah, the our camera dude on it. Start. That's Chris Mueller. <laughs> and when are we gonna go? That would be a full start right there too. Oh, yeah. I kind of took yeah, forever. I think that's a full start. Yeah. Let's see. Well, I think actually. Oh. All right, and we're off. Oh man! Oh man! Calamity at the back. Oh, I should. I would do a restart on that one. Do a restart. Another restart. Why didn't he call it immediately? I feel like he only called after they started piling up. Start on that one. Oh yeah. Why? Why? What was Uh the first restart for? That kind of took forever. They said Uh, it was a full start. Yeah. Okay. So the second one. Oh. Can you pause? Man, oh man, calamity at the back. Oh, I should. I would do a restart on that one. Do a restart. Can you pause it? (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. I'm yeah, going back yeah. to the first restart. Yeah. Can you take the sound off? Because like it's yeah. really loud. <laughs> okay. So basically, second start, uh, the RD said to, I think, is his name Matt? Uh, who, who is the mod guy? Oh, Matt's just commentating. Matt's just commentating. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think Matt said that uh, the time didn't go on on the second one. Okay. No. So, no, 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 he said there. Yeah. He said that the time didn't go on. On the second one, so obviously, you know, I think that's why that's why it took so long because the time didn't go on. So I think the RD just fucking smashed it, and then it didn't uh, okay. So second one, I think, is actually should be a restart because that's that's like a prime example of the starting procedure getting fucked. Um, but the first one, I don't really know what, what happened. Okay, maybe you heard something I didn't hear, but. Anyway, two restarts. There. I think, I think, but I, I think my point still stands because the second one was a prime example that what constitutes as a restart when the starting procedure fails. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's where you should do it. But I don't think like if a car crashes and then like a marshal has to marshal them or like there's a pileup, I don't really see. And even if someone like jump starts. I, I, I have to say, I don't really think restart is the best option because, like, the best thing to do is just to give uh, a stop and go to the car who jump started. I think, yeah, like, I yeah, I think, like, that's the best way because unless it's, like, one guy, like, 
crazily jumps the grid, uh, like the jumps the tone, like five seconds before the tone goes, and then everyone else kind of goes with him. I think then it's again everyone goes without the tone, so it's a false start. But then if only one car goes before the tone and everyone else goes at the tone, I think then just give penalty to the guy who went before the tone. But I've seen situations where like the starting procedure has taken like really long, like here, and then some guy goes and then kind of everyone like reacts to that and go with it. Like, yeah, then it's a false start again. But uh, I don't think... I have to go back and listen to this. But but I don't think think pileups in any form or way, be it so that if someone's like at the end of the straight crashed and then like the whole grid has to pass by, yeah, that's just like, it's the way of the game, you know, first laps are important and you have to take them safe. All right, kid, go ahead. Give your last opinion. I'm going to try and figure out if that's what happened. Well, like I said, um, I think the only, like I kind of agree with Max on the whole, if it's like a jump start, give a penalty. If it's everyone's jump start, then it's a false start. But I still <laughs> latch on to whole. If it's unsafe for a marshal to marshal like a pileup of nitro cars and it takes a long time for him to get to it, or he has to wait for whatever reason, like for example, like at North Georgia shootout, a lot of people would go off the track um, at the first turn due to like bumping and stuff like that. And um, the first marshal would have to go through like 15 different cars before he was able to get to everyone. Um, And he has to do that with other cars going down the straight at full speed. That's not safe. Yeah, I do. In some sense, I do agree with that. Like when, when there's a point on the track that like, for example, at EOS one year, there was this, the end of the straight essentially was like a, um, kind of like a corner tabletop, but it was so that the, it was like a 180. So you went up it, and then you stepped down stairs, and then you did a 180 again. So you'd have two 180s in a row, and between them was this like really steep stair section that was actually quite short. So if someone would crash on the top of the stairs, obviously the whole grid would follow and get into a pileup. And Scotty called a lot of restarts that time. And I think, like, there was this one occasion where I think Kilic was running two-wheel drive then uh, in the B main. And he was starting for, like, fifth or sixth, you know. And he got into first because there was a pileup in front of him. And then Scotty called for a restart, like, like when a midpoint of the lap. So he was obviously pissed. Because he made it all the way from six to first, and yeah, the going for a marshal to go into the stair section, yeah, this was ten scale, but even for eight scale, yeah, it's dangerous. But I think you know, in those situations, the marshal does what he can do. He picked the car up first that's closest to them, and then when there's you know sections where, like I I know tracks where you know, after like a straightaway, there's like a steep hill or a rocky you know ditch or whatever, and the cars go over there. To, to be honest, I think that's more of like a track design issue. And I think like, I think those kind of things should be thought of much more beforehand. Granted, in some scenarios, it's hard to do that. But then you kind of, if you end up there, 
it's just like bad luck for you as a racer. And because at the start, no matter how big of a grid you have, the marshal will have at least 20 seconds to clear the cars were like flipped over before any other cars will come. So I think the safety issue isn't really that big. Like, I don't know how many cars you'd need to have in a pileup to take more than 20 seconds. That's kind of where I think, because if it was any other part of the race, I, I agree with the point that, you know, it's in, it's really dangerous. But when it's the start, you'll have at least uh, 20 seconds to clear the whole field uh, well, when it's eight scale. Uh, I agree with you on making it spread out enough where you can build tracks where they can have a start. Yeah, and uh, just to confirm, too. just to confirm, uh, I did go back and listen to it just now. So Matt did said after the start out that it, the time didn't go off, but prior to that, he said, "Oh, that's calamity at the back. That should be a restart." So the yeah. first one was actually a false start, according to the RD. So yeah. I, on both sides, he was probably right for doing both of those things. So yeah, but uh, I, I didn't. I did, I did I couldn't see from the angle what the false start was. So yeah. that brings up another point. One of my Australian uh viewers messaged me and said something similar happened this past weekend where I think uh a tar marshal actually either got hurt or passed out 15 minutes into the race and they stopped and restarted the race. So yeah, they stopped think, and restarted yeah. the race. And we're, we're, I, so I don't know if he, he probably, obviously he probably had to get attended to as well. Um, what do you do in that situation? Do you restart the race all over again? You're 15 minutes into a race. Where, where does it, where does it constitute that a race is half done? You know, do you take it at that? You know, it's a weird thing. It's, it's a, it's a very slippery slope to start one. Um, I think, yeah, I think it just needs proper rules. So number mm -hmm. one would be because, 100%. If a marshal gets hurt, race is stopped immediately. No. no depend, I would say it depends on the marshal. If the marshal obviously down on the ground, you have to stop the race. Yeah. yeah if he has his leg and he can, he can hobble off and somebody can go change yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. different. But I'm talking about like cars getting hit in the head. Like if someone yeah, hits yeah, their yeah, legs. Yeah. That's what that happened a couple years ago at Loganville RC Complex. Basically, what they did, it was Mikel Arrington. He got hit in the face, like right in the teeth. I remember and, that. Yeah, and what they did is they stopped the race completely, and whoever and they just basically said like, okay, look, however you were on the grid, um, or however you were when that incident occurred, that's where you place basically. Yeah, I think there's kind of like two ways to go by this. So one way is to start the race uh, so that the cars are spaced out. So basically. Everyone starts, you know, from the pit lane and the RD says, you know, this driver, you're free to go now. Then you look at the time differences between each car and you let each, each car go out of the pit lane with that time. That's one way to do it. And I think that would be the most fair to do it. So basically you just stop the race clock and continue, continue it as it was. I think that's the fairest what you can do, but I, I don't think any rules have it and i don't know if it's possible on any of the scoring systems another way to do it would be to have a rule that if let's say 75 percent of the race is done that's the end results that's it and a third way to do it would be to you know and these can be all combined together which way you want but one way to do it would be just to 
have a restart. This is what Supercross does. So they essentially have a restart, but the car, the bikes are placed in order. They are currently in the race. So this could be done in RC, just basically put all the cars to the grid. But if you are first during the time of the race stoppage, then you start first. So there's three ways to, well, there's two ways to do the start and then one way to kind of control, okay, do we run the whole main always uh, or do we, you know, have a cutoff time? And I think those three things should be added to the rules for sure. I don't think other, I don't think any rule book has them, but I think they should be for sure added because I've had a race stopped, I think twice, not, not my own race, but I've been at a race where the race has been stopped twice because of a martial injury and then at least two to three times because of weather, like heavy rain during the May. So, and then there just isn't any procedure how to continue. Okay. So I would say, so in, in our general opinion, after now looking at the evidence of the restarts, was the RD justified? First he said full start and then said time didn't go off. So that's two restarts, but justified. 100%, I agree. Okay. I would have to agree with you on that one. Full start and uh, not hitting the button to get the time off. Unfortunate for the people that get good starts, though. Yeah. Um, very unfortunate. I can understand very being upset, but at that point, there's not much you can really do about it. Yeah. But yeah. I would reiterate, restarting the race because of a big pileup and all that stuff, I'm not for. I'm for yeah. this no, type no, of stuff. No. I, don't think, right. I don't think in any scenario where the incident is caused or is only involving, you know, driver, driver errors. I think, you know, in those situations, you never do a restart. If it's a, a full grid jump start, then yes. But that, I think, is a starting procedure error. <laughs> I would okay. count it as that. All right. So, I don't know. Maybe Barry was mad for nothing. He's probably going to message me yeah. and be mad at me for saying this. Maybe, but, but I don't know. Sure. Like, we don't know why the first start was a false start. Oh, was they, yeah, I don't know either. Time? I don't know. Yeah, it, it could be that the reason why he called false start isn't justified. You know, it may be actually we wouldn't see it as a false start. But if it actually was like that the starting procedure didn't go as it's supposed to go, then yeah, it's a justified way. But I'm, it could be that it was just because of the pileup. Who knows? Who knows? All Maybe right. Um, <laughs> we need to ask but, yeah. Uh, all right. So next up on the hot race part is hot or cold. Hot or cold? Who's hot? Who's cold? Let's go, Max. Because this is this is you. This is me. This is you. What did you have? I her? put. Where, where I put hot. Okay. Or maybe we should start with the cold this week. Well, we we did you know? talk about this I think, a little bit. I but... think. I think I think the cold is going to be more interesting to start out with. The hot is going to bring it to a happy ending. I have, you have cold. the Viking and Bruno Coelho as cold. Bruno, you have as cold. Yeah, and the reasoning why Bruno is cold, he lost straight up to Mikhail Orlowski at the GP3F. He went to Snowbirds. Did it in place in the podium in the uh, at one twelve class? Yeah, he TQ'd, but you know. End results like uh, are the end results in touring. Mo uh, Kevin Hebert beat him straight up, finished second. You know that's not the Bruno I'm I'm used to. I'm used to the Bruno who wins in first two A mains and it's boring because he's so dominating. You know. So okay. to me, this Bruno, 
It's a little cold. It's a little cold. Okay. Not an iced coffee, like uh, I'd say, like a, a little bit above room temperature. Lukewarm, yeah, like a lukewarm uh, Bruno right now. Okay, and you have cold. Well, your thoughts on that, Kate? Before we move on. I mean, from what I remember looking at the race that you showed me before, didn't he come in like, I know he was in the aiming, but he came like 10th or something like that. It was Which the, uh, it was the, um, oh, um, EOS round two, I think it was. Yeah. He wasn't there. Maybe round one. No, wrong one. No. Yeah, you're right. It was something wrong. Right. He was good. He was good in round one, though. I don't, I can't remember what he did in two wheel drive, but four drive, he was really good. Okay. I don't know. I think I'd say twenty twenty three. He ended quite hot, but then this year it's been a little cold. Just started, Max. Jesus, it's just started. Yeah, but I mean, hey, we talked about this, dude. dude. The okay, I I wrote this text last week. I I deleted it from this week's notes, but the. Thing was that the hot and cold segment references only to the opinions, no, only to the emotions of the host. Oh, that's right. So don't they? This is not like facts. It's like, hey, this is what I'm feeling, you know. Okay. I got also. I got um, Ronald Falk mixed with Bruno. My bad. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense because Ronald. They Falk look exactly alike. <laughs> no, 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 but <laughs> no, but. That, yeah, that's your right. So the reason why Ronafalk is cold is because he has been racing 10 scale for the past two weekends. First, he got beat by Max Gotzel. Uh, second weekend, um, he didn't even make the main in tool drive. BQ won't be main. Um, but full drive, finished last in the A main, barely made it in. Well, not barely, but like not strongly made it in. Not in his usual level. And... Uh, yeah, I, GB3F, decent, but not anything crazy good. Mm. So, I don't know. I I have to say the Viking is a little bit cold, but he has a chance to redeem himself uh, this weekend at Montpellier. Okay. What? But you know what? It's going to be cold too. Montpellier GP. Yeah, that's like usually Always like cold. one year. It's, one cold. year it snowed mid qualifying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, it's cold. And you have hot. One thing that surprised me about hot was the American electric on-road scene. I'm I'm baffled with this too. Okay, the reason why the reason why I think it's hot is because X-Ray sent out their whole team over the Snowbirds. They sent out Adam Issey, I think, well, I don't know if Jan Ratajski is kind of part of the team in that way, but the whole Hoodie family was there. Coelho, Hagberg, both was there. They have Kevin Hebert winning big races recently. And now we have like Kemp Anderson, an upcoming talent. You the, have Donny Leah. Donny Leah, the, the spec class and, and stock and stock class in it. But I, I really think that that the European scene is better. No, no, no. I, the, the hot and cold doesn't mean like which one is better. Okay. But, you know, which like, one's growing? Yeah, which one is like, like you well, know, which makes me confused because like, I, I, as a racer, like I try and look for more like, not just tracks, but like just exposure in general. I don't see American off or on road stuff very often. 
Yeah, but that I think that's the reason. I, I think like the reasoning for me is more so that it's been so freaking deep frozen for quite a while that even a little ink better than it has been for many years. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a better way to put it. Yeah, it's harder than so it I, has been in the last few years. Yeah. Not as hard so as it's kind of like. Yeah, it's kind of like for a Finnish man, if like being sixteen degrees uh, uh, in the minus. Like if you now told me it's gonna be like five degrees tomorrow, I'd tell you that's gonna be hot. You know. So hmm. I think that's a perfect, you know, <laughs> resemblance. But that's why I said it because I think the American on-road scene, electric on-road scene specifically, is looking more promising than it has during my time of racing RC. Okay. You know, obviously in past we had Paul Lemieux and well, he's Canadian, right? No, he's American. Mm-hmm. Why does he have a Canadian name? What? Because it's Lemieux, he has a Canadian name. No, that's like the, that's like. If you told someone's name, was we had like this argument Lemieux. before. We had this no, discussion Lemieux before. Is like so freaking Canadian as it can be. It is definitely French. That's what you're thinking of. Yeah. French. French. There's a lot of French names in like the southeast, like specifically Louisiana. Yeah, of course. Oh, come on, Max. Uh, hot. The European ten scale scene. Oh yeah, especially after your boy you not done well this weekend. It is the no, but, hottest thing out for you right now. But let's be honest. Oh I think God. top 10 being like within a few seconds of each other in like qualifying and the amount of new names in the A main, I think you have to call that hot, you know? Hot in carpet, not hot on dirt. Yeah, that's true. But the thing is like, if Americans came to the Euros, the way we run outdoor Euros, I don't think they'd do well either. Because their dirt is not really dirt, it's clay. So I think it's just Look like... Look a clay guy right there. Loves his clay. What, what you mean? Oh, uh, Roach? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Abitan has clay. good clay. It yeah, but I think, I think this whole <laughs> argument of like Americans saying, oh, they're raised on carpet. You freaking raised on glued dirt. Like, <laughs> like tile, floor, tile floors or then carpet floors. Like, what's the difference? It's still a floor. It's not outdoors. It's not off-road. It's still basically a, you know, household material, glued dirt. Come on. It's it's just like, don't I, even, don't now play you're with speaking, me now. now you're going to start sound like Barry. Yeah, but I think. <laughs> I'm like think, your dad. Yeah, but I think, to be honest, I think it's a whole like silly thing to say that Americans are good on dirt. No, they aren't. I don't think any current <laughs> American 10 scale driver is good on dirt. They're good on glued tra- clay tracks for sure. Clay isn't this the clay that he runs on isn't glued? It's not glued. No, it's but not it's, glued. It, it's it's it's, it's not like sealed either. Track. It's not yeah, sealed. It's just water and, and it's just water and dirt. It's very hard packed. It's very yeah. hard. Yeah, you still run slicks. Let's let okay. Let's put it this way. Put twenty of the best twenty ten of the best American ten scale drivers, ten of the best European ten scale drivers. In like hot road hobbies, run the race there. You you have no idea who could win. It's a complete free for all. That's a that's a great that's a great comparison right there. I would both both are so lost of what actual dirt is. So I don't think like we will know next good. year, twenty twenty five in Australia. Yep, I'll, in we'll Australia, and that actually made me think a little bit about what's going on with the B seven because it's such a carpet design. How are they going to make it work there? Yeah, but I, I think. 
I, I think okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think Australia is gonna be like oiled. Oiled. So, okay. Don't you think? I don't know because isn't this the track Ray Monday runs on? Not no, sure. but he runs. But the track Ray Monday runs on is actually like they run pin tires there. So he he's probably I think it's one gonna of be the, like loose type of dirt. Yeah. So I think Ray Monday is. One of the five drivers in the world who actually raced 10 scale on dirt. So what you said about the B7 working there, I think they actually have the biggest chance because he's the only freaking guy who, first of all, he knows his shit. And second of all, he's the only guy who like actually runs on dirt, dirt. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm. All right. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And a great segue. Uh, I want to say a shout-out to Andrew Sovagi. He's over a good friend of Ray Monday and over in Australia. He's going through some health issues right now. He reached out to us, Max, and says he really loves what we do at the podcast and helps him out while he's uh, in the hospital. So get well soon, man. Get back racing. And thank you for reaching out to us. Um, I think that's it. We've probably pissed off a few people here uh, at some no, point. No, but the thing Max is, is like, probably definitely pissed off you some know, people. They, they oh, hated Jesus. He's going to do it now, dude. Yeah. No, but Even, I think I think I think what I said makes perfect sense. Like it wasn't part of this hot and cold, but you know, it became <laughs> came apart. Oh I think God. it's like cuz I seen this recently. Like one guy, oh, I laughed at this. One guy commented on on our Facebook. I made the post like Orlas has been dominating and he was like, "Yeah, maybe on carpet. These little bitches don't know how to run on dirt or something like that." I was laughing my freaking ass off when I saw that comment. I see but a lot that, of comments like that on Yeah, but I think it's ridiculous cuz like I said, you know, put them all on hard run hobbies, you have no idea who's going to win. No clue. Oh, I mean, the last no world championship we had outdoor dirt was 2017. Mayfield won that in China. Yeah, it wasn't like that's on the second. Mm-hmm. I will look it up real quick. There we go. That's what you know. What? What? Kate? He's quick on. The, he's quick on the gun. Looking up stuff. If it's noisy, Mike, Mayfield. Mayfield won twenty seventeen. Both classes, but mm-hmm. I think Ronovac was on the podium on one of them, and then Orlowski was on the podium of one of them. Correct. It but was talk- it was Ryan Meafield was one, David Runnerfalk was HP Orion two, and Spencer Rivkin was three. Who was fourth? I'm about to find out. It just came up on Google. Yeah. But we, we did Jared this Tebow. comparison. Okay, so Americans beat three to one. There um, you go. Put up but- put put that in your pipe and smoke it, Maxi. <laughs> no, but the thing is also like we talked about this, I don't know which podcast number is, but we had this talk about Europeans versus Americans in 10 scale. And like then we kind of concluded that Americans have been better in 10 scale, but Europeans have been better in 8 scale. If you look at the past 10 years, 10 to 15, I think. And even if you look further than that, like, you know, Tebow won, Neil Gregg won, Cavalry won. You know, it's, it's not like there's more Americans every time winning than Europeans in 10 scale. So I think overall they're better, but I think my point was more of so of the freaking claim that clay is dirt, which it, it's not. Oh I mean, I see a lot of people get angry about clay too. It's it's kind of funny. Yeah, wow. but my 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 stance on this is like, don't get mad about anything. Like, just like it's a different style of racing. It is what it is. It's like, you know, 
some people run on this, like even on like um, motocross and supercross, like some people are better at supercross, some people are better at motocross, some people like loose tracks and tracks, some people like clay tracks, you know, it's a, it's a different aspect of the sport and it is how it is, you know, I think it's, it's not like one is worse than the other. In, in absolutely or something. also to correct myself um for before you put it in the comment section ryan mayfield won two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive in 2017 david ronald hall came in second in four-wheel drive but fifth in uh two-wheel drive and uh yeah just making sure just cover my bases wasn't there. orlowski second in two-wheel drive or third orlowski was not in the main Really? He's so smacked. Put that one. Lee Martin go. was. He was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Lee was. Okay. I mean, that European? was also. Oh, no, no, no. What? I'm sorry. No, Seven no, years Ma- ago. Michael was, or Mikhail Orlowski was eighth in two wheel drive. Okay. But he, oh, yeah, he didn't make the main in four wheel drive. I remember that. No, he did not. He's not. Yeah. 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 But it was, yeah, Lee Martin was second. That was like Yokomo domination days. Shinadachi, the new Mugen designer, yeah. was designer of that car. One mm-hmm. two victory at two wheel drive uh, worlds in 2017, you know? Since then, he left Yokomo. They have gone down. Everybody left Yokomo. Everyone left. Yeah, Yokomo. They, yeah. I, don't, I, <laughs> I left I Yokomo. Like, yeah, I think, well, two Ryans left Yokomo in that time. <laughs> mm-hmm. hey. Sweet. Well, we I think we're going to wrap it up. Huh? Did you did you have something else to say after after the twenty seventeen worlds? After twenty seventeen worlds, one Ryan got in, two runs went out. So it wasn't a good deal for Yokomo. <laughs> you know what? We forgot to mention. Who else did a bump? He made the main, bumped into the main at a oh, yeah. park at the Snowbirds. So Little bump, bump is like bump. the freaking craziest character in RC. By the way, I when you did that sidewinder ad read, I was like, oh, this is my chance. Because Lil Bump, he's like the top dog of Sidewinder Fuel. And I was like, hey, Lil Bump made the main at Snowbirds in modified touring cars. But then you just you just kept going. Couldn't do have my chance. No, I know how you I know how you feel. I know how you feel. All right. We're gonna wrap this up. Roach, thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Uh, I hope we get you back on her. It's always good to have a third party in her. I appreciate you having it's a science mode with Max here. Um <laughs> Uh, Max, thank you for your time. We'll be back for next week's podcast to do questions. So if you have any questions, put them in the comments for on our questions post. We are going to tackle them. We're, we're, we're threatening to drop two podcasts here shortly. We're going to have a guest next week to interview. Going to be interviewing more people as well next week. Next week, we're going to get together and talk about the Montpellier GP. Hopefully, we, fingers crossed, we got some good coverage. Good luck to everybody there this weekend. Good luck to everybody at the Asian Buggy Challenge in New Zealand as well. We'll be tuning into that. I'll be posting all those links on our YouTube channel, or Max will be, because or we'll both be posting them on our YouTube, not on our YouTube, on our Facebook channel. I'll also share to YouTube as well. Um, Roach, when can we expect your next video? Um, probably next weekend, more than likely. Okay. Right. Go over to Roach RC on YouTube, hit that like sub notification button for him. Also, go to if you listen to this on the audio only, go to our YouTube. That like sub notification button. We are struggling to get to 5k. I'm hoping to get there. This was be supposed nice. to be Keaton's Christmas present and we fucked it up. 
Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, we did. Um, but we appreciate Rochu coming on. And I just wanted to say thank you to everybody out there, the NNRC squad. We can't do this without you guys. Thank you for all the continued support. Thank you to the YouTube members and patron uh, patrons of the YouTube, of the No Name RC podcast. And thank you to these companies for their continued support. They are Invisible Speed, High Tech RC, Corsa Tech USA, Sidewinder Fuel, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Stacked RC, Racecraft USA, RC Box Clubs, Donathan RC, Carl RC, Elite RC Productions, Florida RC Championships, RC Body Armor, SJ Racing Builds, House of RC, RCGP, and shout out to our drivers, David Ronafout, Jared Tebow, Robert Bettinger, Alexander Hagberg, Maddie G, Peko Ivanen, and now newly crowned and knighted, Yuna Hotland. Thank you, Yuna, for your time. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Kid. Would you guys like to say goodbye? Ta-ta, everyone. Ta-ta, he says. I like that. You like could that. become like a voice actor. I like that. Like yeah, you, you have... Yeah, you, 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 you could be a voice actor. So very. You awkward. look like some guy from the Full House. Oh, no. <laughs> Full House? What's it, what's it called? The one Will Smith's in. Um, oh, um, Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, no, 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 no. That's the wrong one. The one Bill Cosby's in. Oh, the Cosby show? No, it's it's called Some House. You're thinking of Family Matters. If Steve Maybe, I don't know. Some, like, uh, OG American, you know. Uh, so it's, it's not a soap opera. What's it called? It's not even a sitcom. What's what's that called? I don't freaking know. A sitcom. Just end the podcast. No, it's yeah, not you, a sitcom. Yeah, you messed up, Max. You couldn't even remember who you looked like. <laughs> And yeah, remember I, it's, yeah. Just give everybody a salute and say goodbye. No, but the way he said hi kind of reminded me of that. Okay. See you guys next week. Yeah. I'm gonna you know go what? to sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Bye bye. Bye everybody. Thank you. <laughs>